here. This week on the Tech Night Out Live, we'll be talking once again to Kirk McElhern. He'll be focusing on speech recognition software for the Mac. From Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine, we're going to talk about an outage by Verizon. Can you believe it? And Kim Bradford from GottaBeMobile.com will talk about whether there's a new lease on life for netbooks. All this and more this week on the Tech Night Out Live. Kirk McElhern joins us from his palatial estate deep within the bowels of the French Alps. He's 4,000 feet down, right? Well, we measure in meters, so, but you're close. Okay, yes. Do you have an Audubon there? Yeah, well, there's speed limits for different kinds of roads. In cities, you're limited to 50 kilometers an hour. On the equivalent of interstates, you're limited generally to 130, and all other roads, you're limited to 90 kilometers an hour. Now, there used to be a time when they would give you a sort of a five-kilometer grace, assuming that your car's speedometer isn't precise, but apparently they don't do that anymore. I've never gotten a speeding ticket, so I really wouldn't know. Well, you're the kind of guy who drives five miles or five kilometers an hour under the speed limit. Yeah, I just have no reason to go above the speed limit. Well, so, you know, it's it's easy to do it when you're on an open road and you know, particularly on the on the highways where you're limited to 130, it's easy to go 150 or 160, but it's expensive. It didn't used to be. In recent years in order to I think in the last 10 years they've have the number of people who've died in car accidents as well as the number of people who are severely injured. By doing so, they started enforcing speeding laws. In the past, they were pretty much laissez-faire about it, that you would only get a ticket if you really, really went fast or if you were drunk and, you know, they stopped you and checked your alcohol level. So if you're drunk and disorderly, you have a problem. But otherwise, well, n- now they now they yeah. give um, breathalyzer tests all over the place. I was tested once, not far from home, at a traffic circle that sort of that there's. We have a couple of ski resorts about a half an hour from where I am, and there's a traffic circle where there's roads that lead off in two directions to two of the different ski resorts. And I guess they were checking people who were coming down from the ski resorts. Um, and I got breathalyzed once. The only time in in all the years that I've been in France. Okay, and hopefully you weren't doing anything. You didn't have too many glasses of beer. I would never, seriously, I would never consider driving after I'd drunk anything. Okay, so you're very cautious. You tend to be a cautious person. I was in a very serious car accident about 15 years ago, so yeah, I'm very cautious. And you still remember it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Got hurt pretty bad? No, fortunately, we had a Volvo at the time, um, which got totaled, but we all walked away. I had some whiplash that lasted for several weeks um but other than that no injuries the whiplash that explains it yep okay seriously speaking let's start our discussion today with speech recognition and you were on the show a few weeks back talking about nuances product drag and dictate for the mac and you had some follow-ups maybe let's talk about the history of this because when we talk about speech recognition today 
It's Siri this, Siri that. They've got recordings over at YouTube where Siri is the mediator between the husband and the wife arguing. Yeah, Siri is a different kind of speech recognition. While it is designed for um, recognizing and converting to text short bits of text, phrases and sentences, it's not designed for dictating into an application, let's say, an article or a chapter of a book or something like that. Um, I, so I wrote an article on my blog basically because um, I've reviewed the different versions of Dragon Dictate and their new sort of light Mac App Store program, Dragon Express. And I published an article on Macworld recently where I looked at the different types of microphones used for speech recognition. So I just published a brief article on my blog, which I dictated, by the way, um, just some thoughts about using speech recognition software. Now, my history... My my history with this goes back to the late 90s when I used a program called ViaVoice, which was made by IBM. And if memory serves, and I point out in the article, I'm not entirely sure if it was an LC-475 or it might have been a Performa 6400, which was the Mac I had after. Um, but it was under Mac OS 9 or 8. I think it was 9. And ViaVoice was the first Mac program that allowed continuous dictation. Um, previous to that, it was... These were programs that allowed what's called discrete dictation, where you had to speak each word in isolation. Are you quite sure? Positive. And these imagine of course, if somebody is tuning into the show for the first time. They have no idea what we do. They right. want to try it out. Right. And they hear what we're doing. Right. Oh, well. Yeah, but that's the way it used to be. That's not the way it is now. All right. So the key being here is then you had to basically train yourself to speak in a special way for your dictation software. And I tried it. And I understand if you have repetitive stress syndrome or something like that, you have a problem. Like author David Pogue, our old friend David Pogue. Right. He kind of He's trashed his He's been dictating for years. Oh, yeah. And to some people, maybe that's better. I don't know. I couldn't get into it. So I tried the software. I reviewed the software. I set it aside. But the current software that you reviewed from Nuance, how does it differ? I think what, what's different is the quality of speech recognition software has improved in part because they've been able to refine their acoustic models and, and, and the data that they have. Um, and they've learned new algorithms. But another thing is that the speed of the processors we have, even on the slowest Mac available today, um, these are more than fast enough to run these programs. Um, back in the day, earlier versions of, of the, the history of what's called Dragon Dictate on the Mac um, goes back to um, a program made by Mac Speech called Dictate, which was actually it goes back before that. I think it was called I Listen was Max Speech's first program. Then they released Dictate where they licensed Nuance's um speech recognition engine. Then Nuance bought out Max Speech, changed it to Dragon Dictate, which is actually bringing back the name of a Windows version of their program from the late nineties. Isn't that so, the way they always do it though? A company has a specially named Mac version and suddenly they decide to consolidate the branding. No, but it wasn't the same company. Max Speech was a separate company. They were an independent developer. Sure, but you also have the problem where they do it even when they're the same company. Think of 
into it where you had TurboTax, right? Right. And then you had Macintax. Right. And they decide, well, no, it shall be TurboTax. Right. No, here, here it's a question of basically they acquired um, a company that had used their engine and developed a product that was working quite well. And when Nuance took over, I'm guessing they had more engineering resources and they made a lot of progress. And, and the program is now, I would say, extremely good on the Mac. Um, it's, it's fair to say, and I haven't used it in a while, but from discussing, from talking with a number of people um, familiar with this software, that their Windows program is quite better than the Mac program. It's called Dragon, naturally speaking. Um, but as far as what's available on the Mac now, the quality of recognition, in the early days of speech recognition, you might have to do an hour of training. And training is basically reading text to the computer. The computer displays the text, you read it, and it matches your voice, the way you pronounce words, to the different words in the text. Now, when you use Dragon Dictate today, I think the training process takes less than five minutes. Um, It's extremely, you know, they've narrowed it down to a certain number of words that they need to hear in order to get a model of your voice. So you can start dictating with one of these things after five minutes, and you can get accuracy, which I would say is above 95%. Now, what that means is out of 100 words, 95 of them are correct. We have basically. a few words, too, that have to be correct. Otherwise, we're going to have Speaking. some serious troubles, I'll tell you that. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, write us, news at technightowl.com. Once again, that's news at technightowl.com. We will read each and every message we get. We have Kirk Speaking McElhern with Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. Hi friends, this is Jeremiah from Zeobit, the makers of MacKeeper. MacKeeper is a bundled software of 16 of the most important system utilities all located in one place. It's a really powerful and cool application that includes anti-theft, antivirus, data encryption, you can undelete files, back up your data, and so much more. We offer lifetime customer support with every license, and we really do care about you and your Mac. For more information, check us out at MacKeeper.com. Once again, that's MacKeeper.com. This time of year, between the holidays, bad weather, and sick days, getting everyone in the same room for a meeting can be impossible. And that's why I recommend GoToMeeting by Citrix. I love this special GoToMeeting app. I want you to try it free today. Go to the App Store or Android Market to download the free app and start joining GoToMeeting sessions from anywhere and host your own meetings with a free 30-day trial. Visit GoToMeeting.com, click Try It Free, and use the promo code PODCAST for GoToMeeting. Again, the Congressional Budget Office sounds the alarm, this time warns of Greek-style U.S. debt crises. You heard me right. The GAO is drawing a parallel between the U.S. economy, its debt, and the current Greek economic meltdown. With the debt-to-GDP chart climbing into unfamiliar territory, the growing budget deficit will rise to unsupportable levels. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. The Federal Debt and Risk of Financial Crises document the CBO has published is a must-read for every American, covering the risk of continued deficit spending coupled with an aging population and the rising interest rates spell economic disaster. It's imperative that you get a copy of this document and study it for yourself. Call me today at 800-686-2237 and I'll send you a free copy. Again, call 800-686-2237 and ask for your copy of the CBO document. Once again, you need to read this government report. Call 800-686-2237.
Howdy folks, pharmacist Ben here, nutritional pharmacist and skincare chemist. If you've heard me on my daily health and wellness program, The Bright Side, you know I'm on a mission to spread the good news about the power of nutritional supplementation to correct your health care challenges and get you feeling vital and healthy once again. I want you to call 877-279-9422 and check out the powerful, affordable line of nutritional products from Longevity, the ones I take and the ones I recommend. That's 877-279-9422 or go to www.gcnminerals.com. Why simply mask your symptoms with toxic pharmaceutical drugs when you can address causes with vitamins and minerals? I suggest the Healthy Start Pack. It gives your body the essential 90 nutrients it needs. Most people notice a difference right away. You can sign up to help me spread the good news of health and wellness without drugs and maybe make a little money too. And while you're there, don't forget to check out my important video message. That's GCNminerals.com or call 877-279-9422. And remember friends, good nutrition is good medicine. Burglars love easy targets, like a dark house that looks like no one is home. Don't let your home be the next target. Make it look like someone is home watching television with fake TV. Fake TV is a small electronic device that makes the same light as a real television, so from outside it looks like someone is home watching TV. Fake TV plugs in just like a lamp on a timer, but is far more convincing to burglars. Fake TV deters burglars, costs far less than an alarm, comes with AC adapter, and is highly recommended by numerous police departments. Use it anytime you're away from home. To order your fake TV for only $34.95, go to faketv.com or call 1-877-5-FAKE-TV. Each additional fake TV is only $29.95. So get one for you and give one or more for Christmas. Now through Christmas, get free standard shipping on any quantity fake TV purchase. Call 877-5-F-A-K-E-TV or go to faketv.com. Faketv.com, the burglar deterrent. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, send it to news at technightall.com. That's News at TechNightOwl.com. And don't forget, you can visit the famous Tech Night Owl community forums at forum.technightowl.com. Get in on all the action. That's forum.technightowl.com. We have Kirk McElhern with Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Owl Live, and we're talking about Nuance's current Dragon software, which, of course, is called Dragon Dictate for the Mac. And we're discussing the fact that unlike the earlier speech recognition software, it gets a five-minute training process to get 95% accuracy. That means five words per hundred are wrong. Yeah, roughly. What that means is that you'll get the occasional word that's wrong, and it's pretty easy to correct them the the way the software works now. And I I think anyone can – there's a caveat. You have to learn how to dictate correctly. You have to speak clearly and not slur your words, have the microphone in the right position and all that. But once you've gotten to that point, I think anyone can dictate and get easily 95% accuracy. And the more you use the software, the more it learns from your corrections and it creates what's called a profile for you. The more you do this, the better it's going to be. There are all sorts of tools. You can add vocabulary by importing documents that you've written. So if you're a an engineer, I don't know, and particular vocabulary doesn't come up easily. You can answer documents, you can train words and all that. But it's gotten to the point where anyone can take this software, spend five minutes, and start dictating and get extremely good results. At a minimum, you'll have to change a few words. Once you get uh, proficient in using the software, you won't need to change too much at all. There's always going to be 
a few words that come out wrong because there are homophones, words that sound the same. But the quality of the software now, in part because of the speed of processors, the amount of RAM computers have, it's quite impressive. And while Siri is impressive for certain things, it's not the same type of software where you're going to dictate you know, 500 words into an application. But it's also licensing technology from Nuance. I thought it was another company that Apple bought. Yes, it is, but they licensed some sort of speech recognition engine. And it's entirely upon possible. It. Yeah. It's entirely possible. They built upon it. They it's took po- that, it's possible. It's I just know, like, for example, the- PC Semi. Designs, right. semiconductors, they were acquired by Apple to design the processors they use in the iPad, the iPhone, the Apple TV. But they're using ARM technology and simply refining it. Right. No, Nuance is the 800-pound gorilla in the industry. I think they have something like $2 billion in sales. Um, You know, that's quite impressive. And and a Nuance representative told me, I think it was last year, that basically any place that you have speech recognition is – you're going to find Nuance behind it. And and this goes to things like – you know, speech recognition in cars or the the kind of things when you phone customer service and they ask you to speak what you're curious about and all that. Um, speech recognition is used in a lot of professional applications that we never see. Um, it's used in um, probably things for identifying yourself and getting into, you know, as security things to for locked rooms. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but it's true that Nuance is a huge company and they are really the ones that have been doing this for – I don't know, I guess some 20 years now, although it's a company that was built through mergers and acquisitions over the years as well. But it all comes down to this, once you've trained it, once you start using it, can people give up typing except for cases that don't involve a lot of text entry? Well, I think think you need to consider that there are two types of users. And traditionally, years ago, the, the first type of user was it could be the person who has RSI, repetitive stress injuries, like you mentioned David Pogue, who's written books um, using this software for years. It could be people who have mobility limitations, who are handicapped, who can't move their arms, for instance, to type. Um, and these people will be able to not only dictate into their computers, but you can control your computer. You can give commands to applications. You can even move the cursor using your voice um, with drag and dictate. Now, the second type of person is someone like you or me who writes things and who wants to dictate. The question is, first of all, why do you want to dictate? And and in my blog post, I pointed out that one reason I like to dictate is for comfort. I'm a relatively fast touch typist, um, but I like sitting back in my chair and not touching my keyboard and dictating. Now, you could do everything. You really could. You have all these commands for applications, and you can set up scripts and shortcuts and things like that. You can switch applications, um, check your email, and post to Twitter, and search Google and all that. I don't use it for that. I use it for dictating articles. Um, Sometimes when I'm in the mood, I'll leave it on and dictate replies and emails. It's entirely possible to do all of your text entry using this software. Well, I'll tell you something. Someday I'll try it again. I'll call the people at Nuance and say, look, I'm going to give it another whirl. But, you know, it's kind of I started typing when I was 11. Right. And I stopped writing by hand as much as Mm -hmm. I can get away with. So right now, if you look at my handwriting 
And if you compare the handwriting to what you see from a doctor, you'll say the doctor does it a lot better. Yeah. No, I know. I know the feeling. I'm I'm pretty similar. I I learned to touch type um, about 15 years ago when I became a freelancer, and I realized that I needed to be able to type faster. And 15 years and what half a million words a year, if not a million words a year, um, it becomes second nature. So again, for me, it's not to replace typing. It's just to work more comfortably. And and I think there's something also when you're a writer and you write all day long. You write differently if you're dictating, if you're using your voice, if you're speaking, than if you're using the typewriter. And I kind of like that difference. I don't think it's a, a huge difference. Um, uh, if, if I don't know if you're a literary person, but um, there's a famous story about Henry James who had what was called writer's cramp back in the day, which is what we call repetitive stress injury. And at one point, he decided to dictate to a typist, and this was in the early 1900s. And scholars can read his books and spot the exact chapter where he stopped writing and started dictating because his style changed at that point. Now, I don't think in my case it's that big a difference, but I do like this freedom of not having the rigidity of pressing the keys and being able to speak and getting almost all of my words typed correctly. Well, there is that. I think also if you want to be lazy, but I would also think the best... It's not lazy. No, no, no. It's not lazy at all. Okay, It's still work. It's still intellectual work, Ah. Um, but it's... There's no physical stress of sitting over the keyboard, and frankly, it's it's a lot – well, it's a little bit quicker than typing, but I find that the time goes more quickly. I don't feel the same when I'm dictating as when I'm typing. I, I think because I'm not in the same physical position where I have to keep my arms frozen in a certain place. I understand that. I kind of think in the areas I would tend to use dictation the most if I could get it to work the way I want to get it to work would be if I wanted to do it with an iPhone or an iPad because then typing more than a few sentences it's very challenging unless I'm just going to sit there and create this awkward situation of the portable keyboard and the touch device I think that's very awkward I know some people do that but that's where I possibly would want to learn it I do want to learn this. We have so many things for you to learn from Kirk McElhern, and we'll get to them. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Ray Perkins. A reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! Of the Rockwell. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack, Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R O C K O I D S.com. Attack, Attack. 
of the Rockaways, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Ready for cold and flu season? Now's the time to get ready and safe during the pre-winter sale at HerbalHealer.com. Stock up on powerful, natural flu fighters like olive leaf extract, elderberry power, and grapefruit seed liquid. Don't forget your vitamin D3 this winter. Right now, HerbalHealer.com has 120 soft gels, 1,000 IUs on sale for only $9. And remember, HerbalHealer.com offers eFoods Global products, delicious, premium, storable foods that contain no MSG. No trans fats, no GMO, and have a 25-year shelf life. Click the eFoods link on HerbalHealer.com and try eFoods storable meals for free. Bookmark HerbalHealer.com, then experience live chat, correspondence courses, and sign up for our free newsletter. As always, new customers get a free 128-page catalog with your order. Log on and hit the pre-winter specials at HerbalHealer.com. Healing the world with nature, one person at a time, since 1988. What looks good under your Christmas tree and tastes even better? Big Berkey water filters. Yes, the gift of clean water. A gift that provides a great foundation for achieving good health in the lives of your loved ones. A Big Berkey water filter gives them protection from bacteria, heavy metals, chlorine, fluoride, pesticides and herbicides, VOCs and more. And best of all, a Big Berkey water filter is a gift that lasts for many years with no additional investment. And that saves time and money in filter replacements that other water filters require and are even powerful enough to purify treated, untreated, or even stagnant pond water. As always, all orders over $50 are shipped free, and GCN listeners get 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Order online at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com, spelled Big, B-E-R-K-E-Y, WaterFilters.com, or call 877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-B-E-R-K-E-Y. Gift well this Christmas. Give a Big Berkey water filter. Jason Lewis here with the holidays just around the corner. Be sure to consider the greatest gift you can give to your friends and family, peace of mind. That's why I choose wisefoodstorage.com. Wisefoodstorage.com offers delicious ready-made meals like cheesy lasagna, savory stroganoff, and pasta alfredo that are packaged for freshness in individual metal mylar pouches and carry a 25-year shelf life. And they're ready to eat in minutes. Simply add hot water. Request a free entree sample today at wisefoodstorage.com and for a limited time, get free shipping and 10% off of your order. That's right, a free entree, free shipping and 10% off any order. Just use promo code LEWIS, call 855-FOODWISE, that's 855-366-3947, or visit wisefoodstorage.com, that's wise, W-I-S-E, foodstorage.com. Gourmet emergency food at the best price, and the greatest gift you can give to the ones you love this holiday season. Live with Gene Steinberg. It's the Tech Night Owl. Because you never know what's going to happen next. Kirk McElhern, author and raconteur. We're talking about Dragon Dictation Software for the Mac on the Tech Night Owl Live. And I was suggesting where I would like to use it would be on an iPad or an iPhone, because then if I want to type extended material... I can get away with it, but you can't do that with Siri, can you? You know, I don't have an iPhone 4S, so I can't tell you if you can do that with Siri or not. But Nuance does have iOS applications, and they they do this in an interesting way. Since they can't have all of their data models 
on an iOS device, they send the voice over the network where it's processed and it gets bounced back. Now, I've never really tried this, so I don't know how efficient it is, and I don't know if these work well enough for you to, say, dictate you know, an answer to an email. I'd like to try that. I think I might like to really give that a whirl and see how it works. That would be fascinating. I think it would be because I would think that they would make doing productive work much better. You know, for example, I have iWork on my iPhone. Right. I sit there and say, I'm going to write a document with this. Am I crazy? Oh, I agree. For, for me, an iPad and or an I iPhone am crazy, is, you know. is, is yeah. to edit a document, but it's not to really create. Um, you, you could, of course, hook up a Bluetooth keyboard, um, but I don't know. If I were someplace where all I had were was an iPad or an iPhone or whatever, then obviously I wouldn't have a choice. But I work at home and I've got my Mac, and so it's never come to that. I can understand that people who travel might want to be creating while they're traveling, but I, I type so incredibly slowly on the iPad keyboard that I just don't see it as practical. Well, what can I tell you? We're going to have but to... one, one thing that, that's interesting is that I think speech recognition software is really coming of age um, right now, in part with, with Siri has is, is put a spotlight on it, um, in part what we're seeing on the Mac. Now, again, on the Windows side, they've had Dragon naturally speaking for many years, which has worked better because it hooks into the operating system in different ways. Um, but I think it's starting to go mainstream, and I think a lot of people are going to realize how useful it is. Now, bear in mind that um, there are limits to dictating. You can't have a whole lot of people standing next to each other all dictating into their phones or iPads because of the noise. Oh, it would um, be fun. Imagine having conflicting instructions. So you have Kirk is now giving instructions and then his wife is giving contrary instructions and that's going to make a mess. Yeah, it's it's not you know it's not designed for people in groups. You can't be dictating into a device when you're sitting in a coffee shop or something, um, or if you do, it's weird. I mean, you can't annoy people by dictating an article. Let's say if you're sitting in a, a public space like that. Um, also, when you're working on a Mac, uh, what's important is to have a microphone that has noise cancellation, so it gets rid of all the ambient noise that's beyond your voice. If you don't have this kind of microphone, the quality of the recognition is going to be from mediocre to abysmal, um, depending on how much noise there is around you. Okay. All right. That's part of the problem right there. Of course, one day it will simply pick up your brainwaves. I doubt it. <laughs> I doubt we'll get to <laughs> Not that. my brainwaves I mean, because nice that's insanity. Nothing can, possibly, <laughs> nothing can possibly do with my brainwaves. It's it's a nice science fiction thing to think of, but I can't see it in, I don't know, in a long time. It'd be too much. It'd be too much. Anyway, let's move to another subject, shall we? Let's. Okay. Headline at McElhern.com. Bad tracks from iTunes match. Who do you complain to? It's like the TV show, Who Do You Trust?, which should be, Whom Do You Trust?, or To Whom Do You Trust?, or To Whom Do You Complain? Right. But I'm not going to get into that because it makes Don't no sense. Don't pick up my grammar. It's, it's colloquial. It's not wrong. All right. All right. Yeah, so here's what happened. I've been fooling around with iTunes Match in part um, because I've been updating my ebook, Take Control of iTunes. And I came across one track that I had matched and then re-downloaded. 
Um, and I was just listening to a bunch of music, and I heard a gap in a track, and gaps about a half a second of silence. Um, and I checked, and I downloaded it again, and the same thing happened. So what it means, and this was a track that was matched. It was not a track that was uploaded from my library. So what it means is that there's a bad track on iTunes. Um, and what's interesting is this is music that's not even sold on the U.S. iTunes store. Um, so I wonder exactly how they got it. Uh, is it sold on other stores? Do they have deals where they can use anything from iTunes regardless of what country? As far as matching, I don't know. And so I then queried a bunch of other people and found that a lot of people have had problems with tracks that won't play at all, that have glitches in them like mine, um, or that they can't even download. They get an error message when they download them. So I asked the rhetorical question, who do you complain to? Because I'm not even sure that if I contact iTunes and tell them about this, that they can do anything. Um, I've had tracks purchased from iTunes in the past that have had problems. And what they generally do is immediately they refund you. Because if they have a bad track, they don't know how long it's going to take to get it fixed. Um, if it's bad material that comes from a record label, they can't get it right away. So they just refund you and try not to worry about it. Um, but when something's matched, that your that a, that a that a track in your library that was of normal correct quality um, gets matched, and you download it and it's bad, is this something that they'll even do anything about? I mean, I haven't tried. I've been too busy um, to, to contact them and see what the results are. But again, what I did find out is an awful lot of people have had bad tracks. Now we're talking maybe one out of a 1,000 tracks, one out of 5,000. I don't know the numbers, um, but it's happened to a number of people that I've talked to. Well, I have never had a bad track from iTunes. Never happened. The only problem I've had is the one I've reported previously where with iTunes Match, certain songs aren't matched. Right, and that, that's a problem that is widespread that – you know, one or two tracks on an album won't match, and it might even be an album that's in your purchased list where you're, you've got it on your computer and it's a purchase, and it's still in the iTunes store, and it might not match. And that makes no sense at all. Um, but, but here, it's just that, you know, and, and I show it on my website I, I, using um, Rogue Amoebas Fission, which is a, a music editing, a music file editing tool. Um, I show a screenshot of the. What do you call that? It's not the sound waves, is it? Which is this now? The the screenshot on my blog. What do you call this sort of waveform thing? Oh, waveform. A waveform. Okay. Oh, a waveform. So okay. I show a screenshot of the waveform in Rogue Amoebas Fission, and you can clearly see the the gap of about a half a second. Um, so it's you know why does this happen? Um, what do you do about it? How often is it going to happen? People who can't download tracks, um, you, you can't. You're going to complain about each track that's not downloadable? I think they're going to be relatively overwhelmed. Now, new service hasn't been around for a while. Give it a little bit of time, but still. You know, part of the problem also with iTunes Match is that iTunes support will not recognize there's a problem. If you say, I have this album, same album that you have in iTunes, and I imported it from a CD, so we're not talking about getting it from bogus sources. Right. Okay. Some songs are not being matched, such as the most famous example from the Beatles' Abbey Road album, She Came In Through the Bathroom Window, and I keep joking in a silly fashion because all my jokes are silly, folks. That's because the people at Apple prefer the Joe Cocker version. That's why they don't match it. They mark it as uploaded. 
That's so a good I point. Asked them, Isn't that a great point? So I get a letter from iTunes support because you can't really do online chat like you can with iCloud. And they say, well, these are the definitions. This is match. This is purchase. This is upload. I say, I know that. This song should be matched because you have it in your library. And then they send me another letter. We checked and you never bought this album from us. I said, that's right. I up, <laughs> I imported it and you're supposed to match it. That's what I'm paying you for. Right. Finally, they said, don't write us anymore. Yeah. You know, we'll um, always look into problems. Don't write us anymore. I, I, I got to tell you this. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, write us, news at technightowl.com. Once again, that's news at technightowl.com. We will read each and every message we get. Got to tell you this. We have Kirk McElhern. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com Did you know nuclear radiation is still spewing out of the melted-down reactors in Fukushima, Japan, and making its way across the entire U.S. continent, contaminating the air, water, and food? Dangerously high levels of radiation are a reality here. As a result, radiation poisoning is a distinct possibility for anyone living in the U.S., unless you do something to protect yourself. How? With Liquid Zeolite from RestoreYourHealthNow.com. Without a doubt, Liquid Zeolite is by far the best product to remove radiation from your body. It safely removes toxins. Toxins and heavy metals, boosts energy levels, and promotes a strong immune system. Liquid Zeolite is so powerful it was used to clean up contamination in Chernobyl, yet so gentle you won't even know you're taking it. Liquid Zeolite comes with a money-back guarantee, but is only available at RestoreYourHealthNow.com. Learn how to get free bottles of Liquid Zeolite by calling 800-880-9976. That's 800-880-9976. Or go to RestoreYourHealthNow.com. That's RestoreYourHealthNow.com. The world's best solar-powered oven has gotten better. Sun Ovens are now available with a brand new Christmas Sun Dehydrating and Preparedness Kit, which includes everything required for cooking, water pasteurization, and dehydrating with the power of the sun. Prepared families are storing food for months and years, but only have enough fuel stored for days or weeks. A Sun Oven lets you harness the sun's power to bake, boil, or steam food, heat water for purification or personal hygiene, or dehydrate. For the past 25 years, Sun Ovens have been proudly made in the U.S., are durable, and have a long life, and come with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Don't be fooled by cheap imitations. 
For a limited time, preppers can save $65 on the purchase of a Christmas sun dehydrating and preparedness kit. For a discount coupon, visit sunoven.com slash GCN. That's sunoven.com slash GCN. In the event of an emergency, do you really trust Obama and the federal government to provide for you and your family? Modern-day emergencies like floods, tornadoes, earthquakes, snowstorms, terrorist attacks, or anything else can strike anywhere, leaving your family vulnerable. That's why you can't afford to be without emergency food supplies. If you're like most people, you know that you need emergency food supplies, but you keep putting it off. So, to help you, Ready Reserve Foods is offering a free sample kit of emergency food so you can test our food for yourself. The food really is free. You simply pay for the shipping and we'll send you the food for free. To get your free sample kit of emergency food, simply call 800-453-2202 or visit readyreservefoods.com. Again, that's 1-800-453-2202 or readyreservefoods.com. Don't wait. Call now because the free sample kits are limited. So call 800-453-2202 or readyreservefoods.com. Do you know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg. With Kirk McElhern on the Tech Night Owl Live, we're trying to figure out what has Apple wrought. I can't even say that properly. I did say it properly. You did? With with iTunes Match, yeah. This is because I have the flexibility of my tongue. I do twister tongues. Okay. 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 But regarding the, the response you got from Apple, I know that a number of people um, that have had problems that, are, that I've talked to have contacted Apple, and the results haven't been satisfactory regarding iTunes Match. Now, I have to say that the same people as well as myself have generally been extremely satisfied with the rapidity and the efficiency of iTunes support regarding purchases. And it makes one wonder if – they just really haven't been trained in dealing with iTunes Match yet, uh, or if they weren't prepared for all the problems that people were having. Um, it's it's kind of like a phantom product that you know that they just don't really know about. And so, as you say, if you didn't buy it, they're going to claim that they can't do anything about it. But if you've got the, – the number of tracks that aren't matched is relatively high in my tests. There are whole sections of my test library that match, but then there are albums where two or three or five tracks don't match on an album, and there are dozens of albums like that. So it's not like this is a rare thing. Now, people should understand – the matching has nothing to do with the tags on your tracks, the tags being the text that say the song name and the album name and the artist. You can have tracks with tags that say nothing, and they'll still be matched because it uses what's called acoustic fingerprinting, where it actually analyzes the music. So it's not just a problem of your misspelling a song title. That's not going to be a problem. Um, but why they're not matching things on the store, I don't know. And just as an aside, uh, it matched perfectly well my copy of she came in through the bathroom window it seems to be a problem that happens on this side of the pond no my i think what it is is mine is the latest remaster and people who weren't getting it matched were using previous versions of abbey road okay but why would that be the one song that has a problem 
I don't know. Maybe there's something different, so different in the remastering that it's not the same. Now, what I don't know is one has to assume that if it's matching your version from, let's say, the 1990s remastering, it's providing you with the latest remastering. One has to assume that, that it doesn't have say, the three or four different versions of each Beatles song and the, the different you know, CD releases and masterings and all that. No, we assume there is one version online right. that's being offered for sale. That version most likely based on that final the remastering. The latest remastering. Absolutely. And so it's very possible that that's just one track where the remastering is so different. And you might not hear it, but the bass response, the treble um, the, the audio compression, there could be something that makes it so different that it can't get matched. I have no idea. All right. Maybe it's too sensitive. You know, maybe they need to reduce the sensitivity, understanding that could be a problem. And then again, there are other albums that don't seem to have been extensively remastered and you have the same issues. Right. It's not, it's not only a question of remastering. That's certainly the case. Um, some of the things that I've seen... Uh, and again, some of my purchases where half an album matches and half doesn't, where it's exactly the same music, um, that's what gets really weird. So I don't know. I don't know. And, and I don't think anyone knows. It, there's a lot of speculation. And all the people I've been talking to, um, everyone's just scratching their head trying to figure out what's going on. I'll give you another example here. The album Best of Blondie, okay? You actually Every- have it? Yeah, I like the stuff. I like them. You know, of course, Heart of Glass, oh. we all remember that. And, of course, Rapture. Yep. Okay. That's, Rapture. My, that's my youth. Okay, so two songs there, Sunday Girl and Atomic. Now, I don't think those two songs out of the entire Blondie library of their first-generation hits, you know, they've regrouped and they're back together again, their first-generation hits were so extensively remixed that this would be a matching problem. Yet the album Smile from Brian Wilson, which is something that I just imported the tracks. That album, perfect. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm just looking through my test library here, um, and I'm seeing a bunch of things. For instance, some recordings by LCD Sound System, and there's a couple match and a couple don't. Some classical music that I've put up there, and some matches and some doesn't. I've got um, Hot Tuna's Double Dose, great album, which was uh, two LPs back in the day, one acoustic, one electric. One track matches, 13 tracks don't. Okay, of course, things like The Ultimate Collection from Eurythmics, Perfect Match, Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars, Perfect Match. So there you go. Yeah, it's, it's perplexing at best. You think? Yeah, I think. I kind of think. I don't know. I, I you know, it's th- there's some serious voodoo going on. This acoustic fingerprinting stuff. I mean, it's certainly a an impressive technology. Like um, I said, maybe it is. The problem being that it is too sensitive. They need to back off. You're looking for maybe an eighty percent match, and maybe it should be a seventy percent match. You know, back yeah, off. But, but also, I, I think- once you fix the database, and maybe that's the reason why iTunes match was delayed. Let's speculate. It was Possibly. delayed for several weeks because they were fine-tuning the database and the recognition algorithms to be more accurate. And they finally said, this is good enough. This is the best we can do right now. We'll fix it later. And the other question would be, once they fix the database, can you go back and rescan it? Or will you go, say, choose update iTunes match from the store menu. 
in iTunes. Yeah, I, I kind of wonder if when you update it, it's going to spot things that it's uploaded that it now matches and replaces them. I don't know. Um, I'm just looking again through my library. Green Day's American Idiot, purchased from the iTunes store. Um, five of the tracks don't match. Now, See, it's, it was in my purchase list. It wasn't even music in my library. It was in the purchased list, and I have a number of things like that that weren't physically in my library and that didn't match. So it's not even like it was listening to my music. It was comparing the, my library's history, and it couldn't match things. Um, that That's just weird. Now, maybe as you say that in the future, at some point, um, this is going to change, and they'll sort of update. Um, maybe what I'm they'll do convinced. is a simple way would be to release a revised version of iTunes that – as part of the first launch, we'll rescan everything. This way, the user doesn't have to think about it because how many times you have a new version of iPhoto, a new version of iTunes, and what happens? It rescans your library and updates it for some reason. Well, it rescans iTunes rescans your library regularly. Um, you don't have to force a, a rescan. You can if you want. You choose store and then update iTunes match, and it'll do a scan. As I but you said, but you're to- saying that does it periodically anyway it does it periodically if you launch your itunes every i don't know once a day my my test library is on my laptop so every once in a while i launch it and i see that it's uh, it's doing an update it's checking i i can't say it's every day but it's frequently well of course you it's, check it's not more than once a day um whether it's every day whether it's once a day or not i'm not sure you're more thorough about this than i am well, because I'm writing a book, well, updating my iTunes book about it, and I had to do a lot of testing to try and understand what's going on. Um, I'll admit that I don't understand everything that's going on, but, you know, that's just the way it is. And that's the way it is. It sounds to me almost like a newscast. Somebody yep. used to say that. That's and the way that's, it was today. Wasn't, isn't that it? And that's the way it is. Walter Cronkite, wasn't that? That's right. Yeah. You remembered. Ah, uh, I'm old. That's right. You're older than the hills. Ah, uh, well, the hills have ears and all that. The hills are alive with the sound of music. Yeah. There you go. Yep. Hey, what are you working on? Tell our listeners. Well, as I said, I'm updating my Take Control of iTunes, and it's in the editing stage now, and it's got about 25 new pages of 25 pages of new content, um, a whole chapter on the cloud, and a bunch of new content throughout. Um, been doing a lot of stuff for Macworld. Stuff on my website as usual, com, and you know, keeping busy. Keeping very busy these days. Fast question here, which may be the silliest question of all. The case of the recalcitrant iMac, that sold to a new person now? Not yet. I'm still waiting. I got my new Mac Mini yesterday to replace the Mac Mini I got to replace the iMac. Which what do they do? With. They change it under warranty? Uh, yeah, because the, the laws in Europe say that within if, – if you buy something online or by telephone or whatever and there's a problem, it has to be exchanged if it's within the first two weeks. So they just exchanged it because I told them. I said, I'm not going through the process of testing, sending it back for repairs and all that. They said, no problem. It's in the first two weeks. We just send you a new one. And I got it yesterday, returned the um, previous one today. Um, so far, everything's fine. So at least we're happy with that. This is getting very promising. Kirk McElhern, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thanks, Gene. Talk to you soon. (laughs) 
America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, Ted Anderson announcing a great way to listen to radio on the telephone. By calling 760-569-7700, you'll be hearing GCNlive.com programs in seconds. Come to GCNlive.com, find your favorite host's dedicated phone number, and hear them 24-7. You heard me right, every show has a dedicated phone number. Stop by GCNlive.com and bookmark their number today. And again, that's 760-569-7700. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Tech Night All Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We have Abram Pilch of Laptop Mag, and we are going to focus a little bit later on gifts. We're going to focus on child unfriendliness. We're also going to focus on Verizon Wireless supposedly having the greatest network on the planet, but maybe they're running into problems just like Research in Motion did. Let's start with that. We're going to talk a little bit about a current BlackBerry torch and why it is no longer a serious matter that the top drawer reviewers get this product to review. And we'll ask about that for a moment. Okay, Verizon promises the superior network. It's the network, but they've had a problem. Yeah, so this past week uh, we've seen serious nationwide outages on Verizon's 4G LTE network. And I personally was affected by this. Uh, for several days, my uh, Samsung Stratosphere phone, uh, which is a 4G LTE handset, was completely flipping out. And the worst part is it didn't actually just drop back naturally to 3G like it was supposed to. I just wasn't able to connect to websites. And even when I went and manually disabled 4G, which you can do, I was still having problems because it was still trying to get onto the 4G network and uh, you know, whenever I'd go to a website or Facebook or email, it would say unable to connect to network. Uh, Verizon came out. So instead of said, saying it's the network, it is not the network. Well, you know, when it works, and it usually works, uh, when it works, it is the best network. Our nationwide tests show that Verizon's 4G LTE network is infinitely faster than the HSPA Plus networks that AT&T and T-Mobile have, and the WiMAX network that Sprint has. Now, you know that AT&T has recently launched LTE in a few cities. It has unofficially launched it here in New York, where, where I am, and we tested it. And because, probably because nobody is on their LTE network here in New York yet, we got some really blazing fast speeds. We were you know, getting faster speeds than Verizon even. Uh, in Midtown. Now, I'm going to ask about that. What kind of speeds we're talking about? Because what is it now on the fastest network from AT&T ahead of LTE? They're getting, what, several megabits downloads? Well, you know, so we're talking about maybe 8 to 10 megabit per second uh, down and maybe, you know, 5 or 6 up 
but I've actually, you know, and that was, you know, out and about Midtown. Now, I have to say on Verizon, typically, I am getting anywhere, depending where I am, between 8 and 20 megabits per second. Uh, now, that's a really wide range, uh, but let me put it to you this way. On Sprint and T-Mobile and AT&T's uh, supposed 4G networks that are HSPA+, uh, very often we're getting 1.5 to 2 megabits per second. You know, once in a while on T-Mobile, it'll break out, we'll get like 5 or 6, and that will be considered wonderful. Uh, but generally speaking, you're getting one and a half to two megabits per second, which I often get on 3G on Verizon. I have so, a fast question before we go on. What is yeah. up with T-Mobile making this claim of having 4G when they don't technically have 4G? Well, AT&T makes the same claim. Uh, 4G is a marketing term now. It is supposed to be an industry standard, but the standards group have kind of let people get, let companies get away with throwing the word around. Uh, so they have basically an enhancement on 3G technology, which is called HSPA plus, uh, which in some cases can theoretically allow up to about 42 megabit per second down, depending on your phone. Most of them are 14 or maybe 21 uh, megabit capped. Uh, but that's only theoretical because in real life they're getting, you know, like I said, two if you're lucky. AT&T's 4G HSPA Plus network is the same thing. Frankly, according to the 4G standards board, even Verizon's LTE is not truly 4G. You know, you have to have LTE Advance, which is the next level up. But what they call 4G is really what they were calling 3G last year before they figured out they could get away with using the 4G term. Uh it is faster than their 3G network, so in that respect, it is a generation better. And what it comes down to for um, those of us who are looking for a provider, for a carrier, and want to know who's the fastest, uh, you know, in your neighborhood, it may or may, you know, one or the other may or may not be faster. But in our nationwide tests across several different cities on different coasts, in the south, in the, in the middle of the country, we found consistently that Verizon's uh, 4G LTE network was the fastest. Now that AT&T is rolling out LTE, although they're only in a handful of cities, they may get better, uh, although they're in Chicago right now. Their Chicago speeds are horrible, although apparently their Houston speeds are really good. Uh, and Sprint is committed to LTE, although they're not going to get there uh, for quite a while, maybe not until the end of 2012 or even 2013. So right now, by far, the fastest, most reliable network is Verizon. Unfortunately, they weren't so reliable this week. After this, I guess nobody can criticize research in motion, but I want to ask you just briefly here. There's a new BlackBerry torch that I guess has gotten rather low priority. It used to be, you know, if there was a new BlackBerry, this was a great product. Now... It's getting short shrift. So basically, we're assuming here that Research in Motion can do no right anymore. Yeah, I mean, they're they really, uh, I mean, they're drunk on the plane. Uh, I don't know if you saw the news, but uh, the past week, uh, three different uh, RIM executives have been arrested, two for rowdy behavior on an airplane, and one in Indonesia uh, was arrested because BlackBerry had a half-off sale on their latest BlackBerry Bold, 
in Indonesia and some people trampled each other trying to get in and get a BlackBerry half off. Now, and it wasn't Alec working. Baldwin. He wasn't involved. I just have to check that. It wasn't Alec Baldwin, but what I want to know is, have people in Indonesia not heard of Android or iOS or, Windows, or even Windows Phone 7? Because I cannot believe that they're trampling, they're trampling each other to get a BlackBerry. I mean, I don't trample for any. I don't trample for anything with with less than dual core. Sorry, uh, but the uh, you know we reviewed a BlackBerry Torch ninety eight ten this week, uh, and you know frankly we had you know when we get products in that laptop, you know when something is hot, you know we you know we take it home at night, we try to turn around real fast, we put other things on the back burner, we let it sit around for a couple of weeks. To be completely honest with you. Because it's, you know, it's BlackBerry, it's not innovative, it's just another iteration of the Torch, which is their, you know, which is their keyboard phone, which is their keyboard slider phone. Uh, but once again, it's overpriced. $249, uh, you know, it, it does, however, use, use T-Mobile's supposed 4G network, uh, HSPA Plus network, uh, but once again, the screen is 480 by 360, half the resolution uh, of typical Android phone these days. You know, its it, its processor is slow. It's running the old BlackBerry 7 OS. You know, the web browsing is, is blah. Not too many apps. And, of course, you're putting yourself uh, in danger of another RIM outage. And to, to be honest with you, I do think that RIM's outage is worse than Verizon's. Because the Verizon outage is something that customers cannot help. You need to have a phone carrier if you want to connect mobily. Whether that phone carrier is Verizon or T-Mobile, that's going to be a point of failure for you. You, If the Verizon network goes down, you're not going to be able to get mobile data. But then again, your data will still be there. You can just access it through other devices or you can access it through Wi-Fi on your phone. Now, the RIM uh, outage that that RIM had back in October, which lasted for the better part of a week, that was much more serious because businesses were looking at this and saying, well, I just introduced another additional point of failure into my email chain by using BlackBerry's enterprise server and letting BlackBerry handle all of my email when I didn't need them to handle my email. I have an exchange server or some kind of server at my business level. That in itself would be a problem if it failed. And now I'm giving BlackBerry the keys to the castle and letting them fail. I'll tell you um, what, we'll talk about keys to the castle and keys to the entire kingdom. We have Avram Pilch. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack Attack of the Rockwoods. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes... The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack! Attack! 
the Rockaways is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack of the Rockaways, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Making the right decisions is a challenge to investors. Are we going to see economic growth, slide into a recession, or at worst, depression? Hi, Ted Anderson from Midas Resources. We all know when a company acts irresponsibly, divesting ourselves in a move towards safety is prudent. When the market becomes volatile, U.S. Treasuries are a safe haven. But what do you do when the U.S. government overextends itself and spends beyond its means? Many investors are turning toward gold as a common-sense alternative to traditional paper investments. Midas Resources has put together a powerful book titled 10 Reasons to Own Gold, discussing costs, benefits, risks, featuring full-color illustrations, weights, and measures. The book is free and can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. Paper investments are dwarfed by gold's 6,000-year history. Discover how gold may be right for you and your IRA by calling 800-686-2237. Whether buying or it's time for you to sell, the book is free. Call 800-686-2237. Solar power. Solar power. Hand crank power. Hand crank power. Radio power. Radio power. The goods you want, the good deals you need to power up your survival are at 21stCenturyGoods.com. In our solar department, you'll find solar generator kits, solar lanterns, flashlights, radios, and solar cell phone and laptop chargers. 21stCenturyGoods.com is your hand crank headquarters for everything from generators to flashlights to emergency, weather, and shortwave radios by Grundig and Cato. Big brand names and big deals like this. Get a free solar flashlight with every order over $75. But hurry, offer ends soon. Go to 21stCenturyGoods.com, spelled the number 2, the number 1, S-T-CenturyGoods.com. That's 21stCenturyGoods.com, or call 866-999-8422. 21stCenturyGoods.com. Power up your survival. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. That bears repeating. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. And Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse is the key to digestive health. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic, strong enough to cleanse, gentle enough to use every day. Pro-EM-1 is dairy, wheat, and soy-free, contains all natural and certified organic ingredients, contains no preservatives or animal products, supports a healthy digestive and immune system, supports weight loss, improves absorption of food nutrients, aids in controlling yeast infections, is never freeze-dried, and uses three groups of live, viable, beneficial microbes to cleanse and remove toxins. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com. Spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com. Terraganics.com. Or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Pro-EM-1, the raw probiotic. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, just send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. And if you want to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download direct from technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or check us out at iTunes. So the keys to the castle, the keys to the kingdom... Should we entrust research in motion? We're talking with Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine at laptopmag.com. Fast question here. And logistically, maybe it's impossible 
But maybe Research in Motion needs to stop offering as the only solution running all your email through their servers. You know, if I'm not using BlackBerry's email, why do I need to have it make a trip through their servers? I agree. I mean, they tout the benefits. Obviously, a lot of BlackBerry users like the fact that they can manage their mail on the server level so they can say, oh, don't send me my spam. Don't even send it to my phone. But frankly, that's not particularly exciting in this day and age of Exchange and Gmail and so on. But BlackBerry sees it as their core strength. They see it so much as a core strength that they've actually talked about that they want to offer the BlackBerry Enterprise Server service to people who are on iOS and Android. So they want to actually branch out and offer it to more people and more businesses under more platforms. I don't know why anyone would take them up on this offer, but they seem to think that this is a winning idea. To me, it sounds like a losing idea. Well, BlackBerry's philosophy of late has been sort of like a really desperate, desperate uh, plea to developers and to businesses like, look, we know that you're... We know that you're using other devices. We know that you're programming primarily for other devices. But please keep us in mind. Sort of like it's sort of like when I was in high school and I used to ask women out, used to ask out the pretty girls in class. I know that you're getting lots of offers to go to the prom. I know that you're probably going to go with somebody else. But can you please say hello to me while you're there? You know, their their big their big innovation that they're they're working on for the BlackBerry Playbook tablet, which by the way they've taken a write down on of close to five hundred million dollars because they had to discount it, is that now you'll be able to easily port Android apps, not you meaning developers, not not end users, be able to easily port Android apps. Uh, onto Playbook. In effect, what they're saying is, don't worry if you don't really want to develop for our platform, if you don't think it's worth your time, because really it'll only take you a second. we'll, We'll run your app. So now they're saying the same thing with their enterprise server. Well, don't worry if you don't really want our phones, if you realize that Android and iOS are better. We'll let you use those. Just please think about our server. It's kind of a desperate, a desperate plea. Well, if we're using their cloud server and their cloud server is not dependable, what are they saying here? It sounds to me, every time I hear this, that they are relatively clueless over at Research in Motion. They really don't have a picture on what's going on. That's why they really screw up constantly, whereas, you know, a few years ago they could do no wrong. I think the problem is that they haven't read the news very carefully or paid attention to what's going on outside of their campus uh, in the world and in the smartphone world because they seem to think that you know, the iPhone and Android are these newfangled things that they have to kind of begrudgingly mention and and work with and, you know, and compete with as opposed to realizing that these are actually technologies that are supplanting them. Uh, I mean, the loss of market share should wake them up to that, but it hasn't. These are technologies that are supplanting theirs. They need to do better. Uh, now, they are working on their new operating, new operating system, which was going to be called BBX, but apparently they, nobody researched, research in motion didn't do any research about the trademark on BBX, and they found out that someone else has the trademark on, on the term BBX, so they had to do a quick change and rename their new operating system that's coming out to BlackBerry OS 10 because, is it OS 10? BlackBerry, I think it's BlackBerry 10, which sounds a lot like, like BBX because apparently they must have made up the BBX term when they were in the hallway on the way to the convention floor to announce that they had a new operating system or something, because they they just didn't do their research. Well, in this particular case, it sounds to me like 
<laughs> they need to stop talking in the hallways. I mean, I don't know if they actually talk in the hallway. But I'm joking. Like, I yet another idea. Actually. It's yet another idea that that seems half-baked and like somebody just threw it together without thinking it through. I mean, I would think that any time Apple or Intel or any large tech company wants to come up with a product name, they're going to do a trademark search and try and find out whether someone else owns the trademark to that name. But, you know, but they don't even, but they didn't even bother to do that level of research really shows the carelessness at the highest levels of the company. Well, <laughs> next they'll be sued by Apple. Yeah, I mean, if if uh, the word ten is copyrighted, I, I think, uh, in all fairness, BlackBerry is the only only phone company not being sued by Apple, uh, and the reason is because their phones actually look and perform nothing like the iPhone. Uh, so therefore, therefore, I think they can actually uh, come out of this unscathed, unlike Samsung or uh, HTC, uh, or Motorola, all of whom have been mixing it up uh, with Apple in court lately. And in the case of Samsung, I'm sure you, you heard that uh, they actually won, uh, won in court against Apple in uh, California uh, recently, where Apple had uh, tried to get a preliminary injunction against Samsung selling a number of their phones and tablets, uh, and the uh, district court judge refused to grant the injunction. That doesn't mean Apple won't win out in the end, as Apple actually has won out already in Australia and Germany in terms of blocking uh, some Samsung products from market by saying they look too much like iPhone or iPad products. Well, at this point, with these lawsuits, you start thinking here also that Microsoft is making all this money from Google, from all these licenses. And is that another issue? There's another issue that arose just a few days ago where it was reported that Apple is also licensed to some companies, one or two at least, some touchscreen technology. Is that just as an accommodation to assert their rights or what? Yeah, I think they want to be able to say that they own the technology and that they, own the, they want to be able to protect their patents. So they're basically going around. They're not the only ones who do this. Microsoft does this with HTC as well. Uh, they go around and they say, hey, we have a patent on this. Phone maker, HTC, Samsung, whoever, pay us a kickback. Pay us some money, and we won't sue you. Pay us a licensing fee. And I think that they're both sort of hedging their bets because if, let's say, HTC, which pays all these licensing fees, were to actually go to court against someone like Microsoft, they may or may not win. So in Microsoft's case or in, in Apple's case, you know, yeah, they they may end up putting the competition out of business or their patent may end up being declared invalid. So in a lot of these cases, I think they like the idea of getting licensing money. But either Samsung doesn't want to pay them the licensing money or they've decided to kind of draw a line in the sand where they're going to actually try and, and get these products off the market and, and try and kind of eliminate the competition for, for users. Frankly, everyone should be really concerned about these, these lawsuits because you're paying for them. I'll tell you what, you know, we've got to pay for this. 
We're talking to Avram Pilch on the Tech Night Out Live. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Out Live, write us, news at technightout.com. Once again, that's news at technightout.com. We will read each and every message we get. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I had already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. You expect professional service from your doctor, your accountant, and even the girl who takes your morning coffee order. Why not from your domain registrar, too? Namecheap.com provides stellar service with no sneaky upselling. We offer more features and security options for your website than there are ways to order a latte. And new domains come with a WhoisGuard to protect your personal info. At Namecheap.com, you can get your domain for as low as $2.99. Now is a great time to get to know Namecheap.com. Hi there, this is Dr. Joel Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy. And we're looking in this time of terrible financial crash, terrible meltdown of the medical system, we're looking to pay people obscene amounts of money if you become a student of our business at Longevity, We will help you actually take care of people better than the medical system has. Think about it. We spend more money in America for health care than all the other 218 nations the world put together, and they can't even solve weight loss problems. I mean, the medical system can have a total mental brain fart, and if you do this, you will be able to save an enormous amount of people from being overweight, being obese. They don't even know what causes obesity. Believe me, we know what causes obesity. In the medical system, they think it's from eating too much. It's not from eating too much. It's actually a mineral deficiency. Do you solve a iron deficiency anemia with a bone marrow transplant? That's what they think. Do you solve a mineral deficiency that causes obesity with a gastric bypass? That's dumber than a stump. Contact us at GCNminerals.com. Learn how to lose weight, look good, and save yourselves a gob of money. What looks good under your Christmas tree and tastes even better? Big Berkey water filters. Yes, the gift of clean water. A gift that provides a great foundation for achieving good health in the lives of your loved ones. A Big Berkey water filter gives them protection from bacteria, heavy metals, chlorine, fluoride, pesticides and herbicides, VOCs and more. And best of all, a Big Berkey water filter is a gift that lasts for many years with no additional investment. And that saves time and money in filter replacements that other water filters require and are even powerful enough to purify treated, untreated, or even stagnant pond water. As always, all orders over $50 are shipped free, and GCN listeners get 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Order online at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com, spelled Big, B-E-R-K-E-Y, WaterFilters.com, or call 877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-B-E-R-K-E-Y. Gift well this Christmas. Give a Big Berkey water filter. Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. I designed our top-selling holster, the Super Tuck Deluxe, to solve the problems of being poked, pinched, and gouged while carrying concealed. The Super Tuck Deluxe is the most comfortable, most concealable holster on the market today. We offer a two-week free trial and a lifetime warranty. Visit us at CrossbreedHolsters.com. Don't forget, CrossbreedHolsters.com. 
That's the sound of your door being kicked in by an intruder with a single kick. That's the sound of the same door now protected by the Door Sentinel at MySafeDoor.com. Go to MySafeDoor.com right now and watch the amazing video. At MySafeDoor.com, you'll learn how to turn your home into a fortress with the Door Sentinel. 16 kicks later, and the Door Sentinel is still holding strong. MySafeDoor.com. That's MySafeDoor.com. What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. With Abram Pilch of Laptop Mag at laptopmag.com, we're focusing on a host of issues with regard now to lawsuits. And in the end, the supposition here that the customer is paying because the company spend tens and tens of millions of dollars to enforce these things, maybe it reduces competition. At the same time, though, isn't it also true that if you don't defend your intellectual property, well, you lose it? Well, that's so the fault is really with the U.S. Patent Office, which is doing a terrible job, uh, but they're not the only ones. I mean, there's the European Patent Office as well, and I'm sure Australia's version of the Patent Office, where they grant patents for things that are so obvious that anyone could have thought of it and has been thought of before. So, you know, Apple managed to block Samsung in Germany by saying that the Samsung Galaxy Tab uh, looked too much like the Apple iPad because they are both square tablets with square screens on the front. Uh, and this is a design. They might as well sue Star Trek for pro- for previously violating the patent before they had it in the 60s when they had tablet computers on the Enterprise. These are age-old concepts, but they managed to get patent protection for them. And that's what's really frightening, is that you have a bunch of functionaries in the patent office who really don't know anything, and they're just rubber stamping whatever ridiculous patent application gets sent to them. And so, you know, we've had some attempts at patent reform here in the U.S. It hasn't really uh, done enough to eliminate these kinds of ridiculous patents, and we're going to continue paying the price until something happens. But I think there's just too much of a vested interest on on all of these companies' sides to, to actually step in and do the right thing. And the right thing would be for all of them to support patent reform because you're right, if you have a patent, you're going to defend it. So what that leads to is, well, you know, I think, you know, Google saying, oh, I think all these other people are wrong for suing us for violating the patent, but we're going to go and do things to protect our patent too. Well, you know, it becomes almost like a patent cold war. Google went and bought Motorola just for the patent so that they would have patents in case someone else sued them. They could say, well, we're going to sue you because we have some of your ideas patented. And of course, what this all does is effectively prevent anyone without a ton of money and a ton of lawyers from getting into the technology business because everything is patented. It's it's just messed up, and there doesn't seem to be any end in sight, but unfortunately, we're all living with it, and we're all paying for it. You have to think also here that the patent laws encourage them to do this. You know, maybe the patent laws need to be a lot more stringent. Of course, we're dealing with all the countries that are in the industrialized world, more stringent about granting patents. I mean, I still think one-click ordering from Amazon, and we understand that it's convenient and everything. Apple licensed it from Amazon. There should be a patent granted for that. seems so fundamental and logical. 
Yeah, I mean, we, we have to be thankful that some of the great ideas of the past occurred before this kind of patent race because everything from the printing press to the ballpoint pen would be someone's exclusive domain for a certain number of years, which is ridiculous. An idea, a concept like that should not be patentable. A technology should be patentable. So the idea of something like pinch to zoom which is a fundamental user interface idea, Apple seems to think belongs to them, or the idea of a tablet, or the idea of just clicking once to order. I mean, why don't we just go back to McDonald's and say, well, McDonald's, you have uh, one one number ordering. They should sue Burger King for having, you know, for having uh, combo meals because they should make the person ask for the hamburger, the fries, and the, and the Coke separately. I mean, it's these are concepts that, that have been around forever, and they're just being transported into the technological realm. And I think that people at the patent office are granting these because they think that technology is this mystical thing. But anything that we do in a virtual world, whether it's the Internet or a phone app, is basically just a simulation of things that we've already done in the actual world, like buying something or zooming in on something or touching something to make it react. These are all very old concepts and don't deserve patent protection at all. I think part of the problem also there is if they made the threshold much higher, which I guess we go back to, instead of having just basic functionality, patentable. I mean, I don't know that even a normal legal team, the highest price legal team, $1,000 an hour or whatever the top flight lawyers get now, I don't think even the best legal teams on the planet can figure out what's going on. Forget about the judges. Yeah, I don't think people are properly, uh, you know, the judges are properly educated in this either. Uh, obviously, you have you know, unelected officials in the patent office making these ridiculous decisions, uh, you know, without any kind of accountability on their part as well. So it's it's just a messed up system, and unfortunately, we're going to have to live with it because uh, patent reform does not seem to be a big election issue that is going to turn out voters uh, just saying, oh, oh, we feel really sorry for you know, Google and for Apple, uh, you know, who are suing each other. It, it, to, I think, the average layperson, they kind of see this as these big companies are all going to fight it out, and in the end, it's it's all their money. I think if someone were to actually back into this and figure out, you know, what what each person is paying in terms of licensing fees every time you buy a phone, every time you buy a tablet, every time you buy a notebook. If I could prove, but unfortunately, I would need more data than is probably publicly available, but if I could prove that every time you bought a tablet, you were paying $5 in lawsuit fees or $10 in lawsuit fees, uh, you know, would that motivate people to, to, you know, to call their congressperson or to, uh, to go out and vote on, on this issue? I don't know. But I think what people need to realize is you are paying for it. Right, and that's how it comes to in the end. The customer's interest is not being served. Yep, it's it's just a boondoggle for lawyers. But it wouldn't be the only one. 
Well, it's all like the class action lawsuits. You look at the class action lawsuits and you think, okay, we're suing this company because they rip people off, they overcharged. And they make a settlement and they're getting, what, 30, 40% of the total and everybody else gets coupons. Yep. And basically, once again, it's a blue dog for the lawyer. Uh, but, you know, if you're the person who gets a, who gets a coupon when you were going to get nothing, I guess it, I guess it feels like, hey, better than nothing. In fact, maybe if I were a company that was trying to drum up business, hey, maybe RIM, uh, maybe I should fake having a class action lawsuit against me so I can send people what looks like an exclusive coupon. Wouldn't that be a great strategy? It's like the, you know, it's, it's a sale so good you had to force us into it with a lawsuit. Oh, that sounds terrific. Sure, but that also might be part of the hype, too. It draws attention. So they make the settlements in a way, well, you get a $10 coupon. But the $10 coupon's no good unless you buy the product. Right, like all coupons. Of course. So, so again, BlackBerry, uh, you know, what, did, what have they given their users so far in exchange for the outage, which there are class action lawsuits uh, filed against them now? Uh, for that big outage in October, they've given users some free apps in their app store, and not any free app you want either. Like your choice of not, you know, of a handful of free apps uh, that the app vendors are probably absorbing the money on. Uh, you know, and not necessarily the best apps around either. Things like Shazam, which is free on other platforms. Uh, but you know, what what could they do if? You know, they could say, oh, we're settling this lawsuit and we're going to give everybody, you know, uh, you know, $100 off of a playbook or something. Well, that would actually imply that people were going to go out and buy a playbook. So considering that people aren't buying them now, to give people $100 off is probably a good idea. All right. What can I say except that we have Abram Pilch of Laptop Magazine. More coming on the Tech Night Out Live. <laughs> The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack of the Rockwoods. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack Attack of the Rockoids, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Discover a natural way to experience cleaner, healthier indoor air without expensive filters and high-priced machines. Discover what healthcare professionals have known for decades. Salt ionizes and purifies indoor air. 
That's why you need to visit SilverSkyImports.com. SilverSkyImports.com offers a wide assortment of Himalayan crystal salt lamps, handcrafted from salt crystals that are millions of years old, contain healthy ions that eliminate odor, reduce bacteria, and can even help allergy and asthma sufferers, which means you and your family will breathe better, sleep sounder, and have more energy. These salt lamps are available in stunning, natural colors and shapes to accent any home or office, are environmentally friendly, and best of all, they're affordable. And don't forget, SilverSkyImports.com also carries gourmet and bath salts. Order today at SilverSkyImports.com or call 800-494-1369. That's 800-494-1369. Breathe easier, feel better, live healthier at SilverSkyImports.com. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today, complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231, and the Berkey Guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey Light, the Berkey Guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey Guy at 1 888 3653. That's 1 888 3653. Or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. In the event of an emergency, do you really trust Obama and the federal government to provide for you and your family? Modern-day emergencies like floods, tornadoes, earthquakes, snowstorms, terrorist attacks, or anything else can strike anywhere, leaving your family vulnerable. That's why you can't afford to be without emergency food supplies. If you're like most people, you know that you need emergency food supplies, but you keep putting it off. So, to help you, Ready Reserve Foods is offering a free sample kit of emergency food so you can test our food for yourself. The food really is free. You simply pay for the shipping and we'll send you the food for free. To get your free sample kit of emergency food, simply call 800-453-2202 or visit readyreservefoods.com. Again, that's 1-800-453-2202 or readyreservefoods.com. Don't wait. Call now because the free sample kits are limited. So call 800-453-2202 or readyreservefoods.com. You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle live with Gene Steinberg. We have Abram Pilch of Laptop Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Isle live, and we are covering so much ground. I can hardly keep up. You know, I just have to get my running shoes on. Abram, let's move into some more of the cool products you've tested. Then I want to talk to you about kid friendliness, some concerns that have arisen about that. A quad-core tablet. We're talking here about an Android tablet? Yes. So just this month, uh, we got in the Asus ePad Transformer Prime, uh, which is the first tablet of any operating system to have four cores. It runs on the Tegra 3 uh, CPU from NVIDIA uh, that runs at 1.3 gigahertz. Actually, 1.4 gigahertz if you're only running one of the cores, but if you're running more than that, it's 1.3. And uh, it is extremely powerful. It allows a higher level of gaming and graphics 
than we've seen before. Uh, you can play some really neat uh, 3D games on it uh, that will show higher levels of graphics like reflections in water, billowing cloth, or uh, or splashing when you jump in the water, or things like that that are kind of physics-oriented. Uh, and it will do other processing tasks like stitching together photos in a panorama uh, significantly faster. Uh, so we're entering a new phase where tablets are really closing the performance gap with notebooks, and and it's an exciting time. But it's still an Android tablet, which means that it still doesn't have as many apps as the iPad 2, and it still has some degree of lag in it. And apparently, we also learned recently that Android systems inherently have some lag due to the way Android handles graphical requests. It's not perfect, but we are seeing tremendous performance enhancements with quad-core, and we expect a lot more quad-core tablets and even quad-core phones with Tecla 3 in 2012. Now, an independent programmer or someone who used to work for Google was commenting over part of the problems with the Android display. It has sort of a raggedness. It's not quite as smooth, for example, as the iOS. It doesn't always register touches as well. And I guess part of the issue is the architectural nature of the platform, but also that Apple offloads a lot of these functions to the graphics processor. So can't Google do that? They would have to make some major changes to fundamental changes to the way that an Android is programmed. But obviously, I saw the same post that you did uh, from someone who had been an intern on the Android programming team. And, you know, it shows that they really need to make these changes because anyone who's used Android knows that, you know, things, apps can be pretty fast, but you'll get periods of sluggishness. You'll get that moment where you tap something and you're waiting. Uh, and part of the problem apparently is how it prioritizes. Inherently, apparently iOS prioritizes user interaction. So you tap the screen and your finger on the screen, that touch Registering that touch is the most important thing. It'll stop other tasks. It'll stop loading a web page. It'll stop doing something if it has to to make your touch register immediately. On Android, your interaction with the screen is a priority on par with everything else. So, you know, it's playing the movie. You try to touch the pause button. Playing the movie might actually uh, come before your pause button. So... I'm sure anyone who's used Android has had these experiences where you just notice a lag because the task that you were trying to stop or interfere with took up a higher priority than your touch. And that's something that is fundamental to the operating system, obviously should be resolved, but we haven't heard any comment from Google about when they're going to do it. But certainly having something like a quad-core, adding more cores for multiple processing, adding, you know, higher speed processors does help because it's better able to handle all these tasks. But ultimately, on the same hardware, like if Apple implements quad-core or as Apple ramps up ramps up its hardware, iOS is always going to have the advantage in terms of responsiveness as long as Android doesn't, doesn't change and prioritize user interaction over other tasks. Well, Apple learned how to do it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, well, I think the issue is that they would have to then make some changes to apps. It might have an impact on app developers 
or they might have to have legacy support for apps that didn't have this. So there's definitely a roadblock uh, for Android, but they need to do something about about the problem uh, because Android definitely is slower in terms of you know when you're just tapping around uh, than iOS, and it's a lot more crashy, for lack of a better term. Now, this is one of the reasons, for example, that when you test usability and customer preferences, iOS, iPhone customers are always in the 90% of approval, whereas the Android phone, they don't like as much, and I guess because of these glitches, the fact that it's not as smooth or fluid. Whatever you say about Android, whether you like a feature better than the way it's implemented on the iOS, if the fit and finish isn't good, in the end, the customers may consider jumping ship. You know, one of the things that I like about Android as a geek is that it reminds me so much of a computer because it crashes, but I don't think most people like that. You know, just like my computer, I just have to reboot it sometimes. But again, on a phone or a tablet, people don't want that. They want things to just work. So I learned to live with on my Samsung Stratosphere the fact that the camera app locks up the phone maybe one out of three times that I use it. 30% of the time when I'm taking a picture, I can't exit from the camera app by pressing the back or home button. I have to turn the phone off. Whoa, whoa. To me, that's product killer number one. You know, I'm used to things working a certain way. And when the product, because of the interface or bugs, puts obstacles in my path, you know, that's got to hurt the platform. And it looks like Google is trying to throw brute force into the problem. Well... If we have four cores, maybe we have eight cores next year, then we won't have the problem because we're using muscle to overcome it. Well, I think I think Google is not particularly saying to anyone, or we have to say, why do you need four cores to make the, the UI work well? I mean, everything we hear is, well, you need four cores to play rich games and to do you know higher levels of processing, and potentially, by the way, to run Windows 8. Uh, because Windows 8 will work on ARM processors like the Tegra 3. Well, then, of course, Microsoft's going to have a 44-core processor. That's how it's going to work with decent performance. Anything less than that, it's going to be a slug. <laughs> uh, you know, I have a feeling that Windows 8 will not have the crash, the kind of crash problems that we've seen on Android. Uh, you know, part of it might be, uh, part of the problems with Android might be some of the apps that people are making. But frankly, when you see apps that are so fundamental to the operating system that are made by Google, like the browser or the camera app uh, crash, it's hard to really blame app developers. It's, it seems like it's something that it's actually with the operating system uh, that, that is causing the problem. And, you know, it's just one of those things that I think everyone who uses an Android phone has lived with is, Every now and again, I'm going to see an app crash. Maybe not that often, but every now and again. Uh, but it's something that obviously we'd all like to see resolved. And those moments of delay where you tap an icon and you're waiting a couple of seconds, people notice. I think studies have shown that any delay above 200 milliseconds is extremely perceptible to a human being. So, you know, you tap an icon, you're waiting a second for something to load. That's a wait. You know, now on your computer, you're used to that. On your computer, you're used to waiting, you know, 10, 15 seconds for Photoshop to load. You're used to waiting a minute and a half to boot. You're You're lucky if Photoshop loads in 10 or 15 seconds. If you have lots of plugins installed, forget about it. 
unless you have an SSD. But on a typical hard drive, you're right. But, you know, people have come to uh, accept slowness on their computer, but they they have an expectation of immediacy on phones and tablets that they don't have on their computer, although it is leading to computers booting faster and computers having more SSDs and trying to focus on, on faster app opens uh, because of what's going on on tablets and phones and what the expectations are there. But I think that's a real problem. Every millisecond counts. And the funny thing is most people believe that, oh, it's only the geeks who want something fast. Give that phone to my mom who's, who's really non-technical and she won't care if it's slow. Actually, I think people who are aware of technology, who are facile with technology, are more forgiving of slowness and crashes than people who are not. It really throws my mom for a loop when something doesn't work or when she has to wait a couple of seconds and she doesn't know whether her cap has been registered or not. For me, I know, okay, this is a slow, this is a slow processor, this is a new operating system. So this is the geek filter, which she doesn't have. We have the chief geek, or the geek-in-chief himself, Avram Pilch, with Gene Steinberg on the Tech Night Out Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you own an Apple iPhone and love to listen to your favorite programs on GCN, I've got good news for you. I'm proud to announce that GCN has a brand new iPhone app available for our dedicated listeners at GCNlive.com. Listen to your favorite hard-hitting GCN programs live or on demand right on your iPhone. And the best part? The GCN iPhone app can be yours absolutely free. Download the iPhone app today by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the People grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, and carting to a private bank, having it lent back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Tech Night All Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. On the Tech Night Out Live, we have the geek-in-chief himself, Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine at LaptopMag.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. And we were focusing on interface and performance oddities with the Android OS compared to the iOS that maybe Apple will have fewer features. Maybe you like sometimes features that work better on Android, but the fit and finish, smoothness, elegance, you don't want to have to put up with that. I mean, isn't it amazing, Avram, that people are still buying iPhone 3GS? Yeah, I mean, it, obviously, it, obviously iPhone is the most popular, you know, even though market share goes up and down between Android and, and iOS, the iPhone itself is iconic and the most popular phone. And so, you know, people look at the 3GS when it's on sale and you can get it for, I think, basically for free now. And they say, free iPhone. Now, frankly, if I were them, I would at least pay the 99 bucks to get the iPhone 4. 
but but either way, you know, they look at the iPhone experience and it's smooth and you can surf the web. And so even if you're using a two-year-old model, you still can have a really good experience on an iPhone. You know, obviously, the one hurdle for Android is they need to work on that fit finish and, obvi- and they need to kind of help, help build up the app store so you're getting the kind of quality games and other productivity tools that you get in the iTunes store on Android. Yes, the number of, of apps and Android has really uh, risen, but the number of tablet-friendly apps specifically made for, you know, a 10-inch screen is still quite small. And so you'll see a lot of the Android apps looking really blown up on your tablet screen, and, and that's not a good experience either. And you wonder, Amazon with the Kindle Fire uses an old version of Android that wasn't even certified for tablet use. Well, they have put their own interface on top of it, which... Uh, a lot of people think it's attractive because it looks like a bookshelf and all that, but actually usability experts such as Jacob Nielsen of useit.com, who's one of the leading usability experts uh, around, have said that uh, the Kindle UI is, is really difficult and confusing and overall sluggish. And, and that I agree with because the putting another layer on top of Android means that you've got more delays, more crashes, and more just general slowness on the Kindle Fire. I would definitely recommend to people who are going to buy the Kindle Fire, think long and hard about hacking it because now there are hacks out there to replace Amazon's operating system with a a cleaner version of Android that will make it faster because Android's, Amazon's UI is just way too sluggish and also confusing because it makes it difficult to switch back and forth between tasks. You're always having to run back to the home screen uh, to get, to something else. And the other issue to consider also, though, if you do that, don't you lose the integration with Amazon Storefront? Yes, but the integration with Amazon Storefront on the Kindle Fire really only provides you with a lot of things that you could get on any Android device if you download Amazon's apps. So you can get Amazon Music on any Android device, and you can get Amazon Books on any Android device, and you can use Amazon's Android App Store on any Amazon device, on any Android device, but you don't even need Amazon's App Store because it has the same apps, yet fewer, than Google's App Store. So what does that really leave you on the Kindle Fire that you can't get on any other Android device? Video. So Amazon Video On Demand is really the only key feature of the Kindle Fire that you can't get on another Android device. So I think that's the question you have to ask. How much is is Amazon Video worth to you? You can still get Netflix and plenty of other video video things and use Google to the Google market with Video On Demand if you root your Kindle Fire and you install something like CyanogenMod, which is a popular, you know, popular version of the rooted operating system. On there, the only thing you're really going to lose is the is the access to Amazon Video. And and you won't use the Silk browser that comes with the Kindle Fire, but the Silk browser is slower than other browsers, so that's no real advantage either. Let's move on to one more topic before we let you go. Child friendliness. Of course, you know, we think about our children, especially during the holidays, but we should, of course, all year round. And I still think my 25-year-old son is our child, and he'll be that way at 50 if we're still around to enjoy the occasion. So what is the child unfriendliness that you're concerned about? Well, you know, unfortunately, 
we all know that the web in, the web can be dangerous a dangerous place for children, and that's why you have things like Net Nanny, and you have all kinds of software to protect kids from stumbling onto adult material on the web. Uh, but what a lot of people don't realize is that tablets and phones, even when they're built-in apps and content, even when they're not surfing the web, have a lot of really dangerous content on them, and they don't come with proper parental controls. So Apple is actually marketing the iPhone 4S to children. If you've seen one of the commercials for Siri, you'll see a little girl who's about seven or eight asking Siri uh, a question about her homework. Uh, well, we found that Siri actually recommends marijuana and escort services uh, without prompting. Uh, and so, you know, parents should be really concerned about that. Uh, we asked Siri, uh, Siri, um, you know, where do I buy a pot for my mom? And it interpreted the word pot to mean marijuana. Well, of course, they're in San Francisco. <laughs> right. Exactly. Interpret the word pot to be marijuana, not San Francisco, and it gave us a list of head shops, uh, places that sell drug paraphernalia nearby. And there's no parent, there's no child safe mode to turn that off. Uh, we also uh, had a little conversation with Siri that a child might have, where we said, uh, "Siri, you're great," and, and Siri said back to us, "Oh no, not great, not good, not great, just good." And we said uh, back to Siri, "Oh Siri, don't be so hard on yourself." Well, some word in Siri, don't be so hard on yourself, uh, tripped Siri's uh, desire to, uh, to, pimp, uh, to pimp you out, to, to pimp for you, and she recommended eight escort services in our area. Uh, so you could see children actually stumbling onto this adult material without even trying to. Uh, and... I have to give props to Apple because Apple actually has built-in parental controls on the iPhone and iPad that let parents actually password protect any app they want, but Siri is not on that list. So you can't block your kid from using Siri and you can't put Siri into a child-safe mode. In addition to Siri, we see this problem on Android devices as well, especially things like the Kindle Fire. The Kindle Fire does not block purchases. If you hand your child a Kindle Fire and think that they're going to have it ring cat in the hat to them because it's, it's something that they tout, oh, hey, here are all these kids' apps. Your kid doesn't even need to read. You're talking about young kids who can't read yet using this, but they will be able to, A, go back to the bookstore or the movie store and read your copy of the Kama Sutra uh, if you purchased it, uh, and or B, they will be able to go in and purchase anything they want on your credit card because the Kindle Fire doesn't block doesn't block those purchases either at this point. It blocks in-app purchases uh, from within a program, but it doesn't actually block uh, your kid from from buying something from the store. So that's that's pretty dangerous. And and if you look at other Android devices, they don't even come with parental protections. And when you try downloading third-party ones. As I downloaded a couple from the app market, I was able to go right into my task killer and kill those app blockers. Uh, so it was incredibly easy to defeat. Uh, so what, what we're seeing is devices, these devices are being marketed to children. You know, Amazon and Barnes and Noble do want you to hand your child those e-reader tablets, the Kindle Fire and the Nook tablet, uh, to turn it to a children's book that reads to them 
and be able to walk away and let your kid use it unsupervised. Apple does want you to be able to give that iPhone 4S and eventually when they port Siri over that iPad or that iPod touch to your kid and let them ask Siri questions. But Siri, but the kid may come back to you and say, uh, Daddy, what's an escort service after they've used Siri because she's the Macintosh madam? Uh-oh. <laughs> Tell our listeners where they can find more of your stuff. Uh, so you can follow me on Twitter at, at Geek in Chief. You can check out my weekly Geek Geek column at laptopmag.com slash geekskeek. And you can uh, keep up with all the latest mobile news at laptopmag.com. Sounds like a plan. Avram Pilch, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thanks so much. Always a pleasure, Gene. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. Do you love your Mac? Well, then give it the best care it deserves. Mac Keeper. It's an all-in-one system utility like 9-11 for your Mac. Security, data control, cleaning, optimizations, premium support, all included in a fully functional 15-day trial version. The number one utility on CNET. Five stars on Mac Update and Version Tracker. More than 5,000 Facebook fans. Give it a try now. MacKeeper.com. Get 22% off with the coupon code TECHNIGHTHOW. 22% off with the coupon code TECHNIGHTHOW from MacKeeper.com. Hey everybody, Jason Lewis here once again. These are hard times for investors. If you're like me, you just don't know where to put your money because there's a downside to every possible scenario. Now look, every portfolio needs a hedge for inflation. Gold has been the classic. I want to tell you, I want to be honest with you, commodities fluctuate. So you could lose money. Gold goes up and down. But every stable portfolio usually has an inflation hedge and gold is, well, the gold standard. Washington is not going to get us out of this recovery so you've got to protect yourself. Give it some thought, and if you're interested in converting your IRA to gold or would like to actually have it in your possession, call Midas Resources today at 1-800-686-2237. The U.S. dollar was once backed by gold, but it's lost a lot of its value since then. Call Midas Resources today, 1-800-686-2237 for gold. That's 1-800-686-2237, and tell them Jason Lewis sent you. Fight back this cold and flu season with the world's best garlic extract, Ali C. Why Ali C? Because it helps your body fight viruses, bacteria, and fungi. Ali C has been scientifically proven in double-blind studies using low doses to greatly reduce the number, severity, and duration of common colds. Ali C contains 300 milligrams of stabilized allicin, the active ingredient in crushed garlic. Studies show Ali C is effective against MRSA, bacterial, fungal, and viral infections. One tablet of Ali C has the equivalent of 40 cloves of garlic. Ali C supports your body's resistance to all types of conditions and can help lower high blood pressure and high cholesterol. So boost your body's resistance to infection with nature's best garlic extract, Ali C. For more information and to order Ali C, call 877-888-7126 or go to garlichealthproducts.com. That's 1-877-888-7126 or go to garlichealthproducts.com for your Ali C today. Smokers. 
Are you still smoking traditional cigarettes? Are you still smelling up your clothes and car interior, staining your teeth, and getting ashes everywhere? Why? When you could be smoking or vaping with e-cigarettes by LaSig. With LaSig e-cigarettes revolutionary microelectronic technology, rechargeable battery, and unique replacement cartridges, you'll get all the satisfaction of smoking, but no smoking hazards. Choose from a wide variety of our new American-made Vapriate e-liquid flavors at LaSig.com, spelled L-E-C-I-G.com, or call 870-518-4307. That's 870-518-4307. LaSig e-cigarettes for today's modern smoker. Warning, e-cigs may contain nicotine, an addictive substance known to the state of California to cause birth defects or cancer. Please be aware of the risks associated with e-cigs prior to use. You must be 18 years or older to purchase. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. A new guest joining us from a publication called Gotta Be Mobile, which is mobile news and reviews at gottabemobile.com. She is Kim Bradford. Welcome to the Tech Night Owl Live. We're happy to have you aboard. And I wanted to ask you first about a piece that you have in the magazine, which sounds like it contradicts the conventional wisdom about netbooks. Okay. Now, Kim, what was so great about netbooks that they even caught on? Oh, there are so many great things about them. Uh, I think the main thing is, is that they were small, very portable, and also very inexpensive. I think it was like the combination of all those things. You know, there have obviously been very portable notebooks or, or sort of computer-like things before the netbook came along, but they were also really expensive, so not everybody could use them. You know, starting with the OLPC and the sort of dream of the $100 laptop um, that, you know, evolved into the netbook, and, and obviously the netbook went through some evolutions, but I think just the fact that it was just so affordable and it's what people were looking for. Not everybody needs a big computer. Not everybody, you know, people want to carry around a computer. So I think that's what really just spurred it, just the size and the price together. All right. But in terms of usability, are they worth the bother? Oh, definitely. I I guess it just depends on what you want to do with your netbook. For me personally, I still have a netbook. I still love it. I still use it. That's because I write and I write on the go. And I'm, you know, constantly, you know, going to coffee shops since I'm a freelancer. I go to coffee shops and write. I spend a lot of my day running around to different press events. But even if you're not a journalist, even if you are a writer who's like working on a book, you're um, just someone who needs to, to do very simple, basic computer tasks while on the go, then the netbook is still really useful, even though it's not super powerful it gets the basic things done you know pretty well and you can still watch video on it you can surf the web even though they're not the most powerful laptops around they're not so underpowered that they're just like useless as long as you get a good one well okay so i want to look for a netbook but the other consideration i have is maybe i want a tablet okay (laughs) all right so let's look at the a to b to c here or whatever kind of numbering or lettering system you want to have why would i pick a netbook why would i pick a traditional portable mac or pc why would i pick a tablet well you pick a netbook if you are really concerned about portability if the tasks that you want to do while you're on the go or even sitting on the couch are not like very strenuous tasks because again notebooks don't have a lot of power but you know because they are real laptops 
they can, you know, do pretty much anything that you want because they have windows on them and, and they just work like a regular laptop. But if you're doing something that requires some processing power, then you definitely want to go with a more traditional PC. And, you know, there are lots of nice ultra portables, um, especially with Ultrabooks coming out on the market now that give you full PC power, but like in a nice portable package, you're just, you're going to pay for it. So, you know, right now, Ultrabooks, they're, they're trying to keep them under $1,000, but they're really sort of hovering in between sort of 800 and 1200 So if you have that kind of money to spend and you need something that's going to be able to say, um, give you video editing power, image editing power, something along those lines, if you do like a lot of really crunchy calculations, stuff like that, then that's when you want a more traditional PC. A tablet is really great for entertainment stuff, for playing games on the go, for watching video, for listening to music. It's not so great when it comes to productivity stuff. There are Office apps. Um, Apple has uh, some, and then there's stuff out there like Quick Office that give you the ability to do some basic tasks. But anytime you want to do something beyond just very basic editing, very, very basic formatting, you run into trouble immediately. Tablets right now are not great productivity tools. And that's mostly a function of the apps. It's not really the tablet's fault. It's the apps that are not really robust enough to let you do all the tasks that you can do very easily on a computer. And, of course, that's a matter of getting used to it. But then with a netbook, you're getting a slimmed-down PC. Mm -hmm. It's thinner. I've played with a couple of them, and the keyboards drove me crazy. Okay. All right. Because they're narrower. Even Apple's MacBook Air is using the same keyboard as all their other notebooks. So it may be small and light in terms of the way it's designed, but it still feels full-sized. This is true. And, and I think with, with netbooks, it's a bit hit and miss. Uh, it was definitely very hit and miss in the beginning, especially when netbooks were 7 inches or, or 9 inches. Those keyboards could get very small. The 10-inch netbooks, uh, the really good ones, I think, found a nice balance. They were able to widen the keyboard enough that it was still comfortable to type on them, even though, yes, they are still smaller than uh, the keyboards that you would find on a traditional notebook, even if that traditional notebook is, say, 11.6 inches like the the macbook air the smaller one but i think that samsung toshiba and um to some extent hp were able to to find a nice balance in getting uh, keyboards that worked really well my netbook is a samsung and one of the reasons why i bought it was because that keyboard was one of the best netbook keyboards on the market at that time and still is in my opinion so the key is here is that in terms of designing netbooks they're learning uh, yes, they are. And I think at this point now, they, most of the companies who are still making netbooks have pretty much settled on their their keyboards that they're going to use. You know, now that they they got to the point about a year and a half ago, I would say, where they where they settled on, on keyboards that were pretty good. Um, I should also mention Asus here because um, they have one of the original netbooks, the EPC, and EPC uh, keyboards went through like a weird time when they weren't very good and they like had this weird flex and they just didn't work very well. But then, uh, you know, Asus really got their act together and they put they put together like a really nice keyboard on their EPCs that they're putting out now, which is also very similar to the keyboard that's on the new Transformer Prime tablet. So basically, they're all standardizing on a special type of keyboard. Uh, basically, just a better keyboard. Okay, that makes it easier. What about in terms of dealing with your normal Windows productivity apps? And the other question is here, if it's such a good idea to have a netbook, why did Apple ignore that market? 
Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm not entirely sure why Apple ignored the netbook market. I think part of it was because, you know, they just wanted to, to poo-poo on the whole netbook idea because it's not, it wasn't an Apple idea. Um, and, and, I yeah, but Apple didn't invent digital music players, and they came out with the iPod. They didn't invent smartphones, and they came out with the iPhones. So why but would you that know, be? In both of those categories, they were able to do it better. Um, the iPod was just a better music player, a better MP3 player than the MP3 players that came before it. And the iPhone, you know, arguably, was a better smartphone than all or most of the smartphones that came before it. But there's not a lot really to do that's innovative in the netbook space. I mean, once you once netbooks settled into the 10 inch form factor, then, you know, we had the same specs coming through, you know, for almost all of them. Like they all had the same processor in them. They all had the same screen size. They all had about the same hard drive. And so the only thing that Apple could have done was to make a netbook that had the Mac OS, you know, operating system on it, which is what a lot of people wanted. Like a lot of people, you know, hacked Mac OS onto existing netbooks that had Windows on them because they just wanted their Mac in that small size. And so I think that Apple wanted to do something that was just different because there wasn't anything they could really add to netbooks. Also, the profitability of those cheap notebooks. How do you make a profit from this product? That's another issue. The magazine has got to be mobile. And our guest is Kim Bradford. And we're starting off our discussion about the netbook and why the netbook, despite being maybe dismissed, seems to be selling well. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, write us, news at technightowl.com. Once again, that's news at technightowl.com. We will read each and every message we get. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack Attack of the Rockoids. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes... The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack of the Rockoids, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. I designed our top-selling holster, the Super Tuck Deluxe, to solve the problems of being poked, pinched, and gouged while carrying concealed. The Super Tuck Deluxe is the most comfortable, most concealable holster on the market today. We offer a two-week free trial and a lifetime warranty. Visit us at CrossbreedHolsters.com. Don't forget, CrossbreedHolsters.com. That's the sound of your door being kicked in by an intruder with a single kick. 
That's the sound of the same door now protected by the Door Sentinel at MySafeDoor.com. Go to MySafeDoor.com right now and watch the amazing video. At MySafeDoor.com, you'll learn how to turn your home into a fortress with the Door Sentinel. 16 kicks later... And the Door Sentinel is still holding strong. MySafeDoor.com. That's MySafeDoor.com. If you're taking one, two, five, or more nutritional supplements, please stop. Simplify your supplementation with Bio Superfood, the most advanced nutritional whole food supplement you can buy. Men, women, children, even Olympic athletes the world over have discovered Bio Superfood from BioAge.com. And now take just one nutritional supplement instead of many. The Bio Superfood formulas are whole food products composed with four of the most nutrient-dense algae found on Earth. Bio Superfood for the brain helps with focus, memory, clarity, and mood. If you can increase brain health, the rest of the body is a no-brainer. Bio Superfood has zero toxicity and is safe for you and your family. Learn more and order your Bio Superfood formulas at BioAge.com. Spelled B-I-O-A-G-E.com. BioAge.com. Or call 877-288-9116. That's 877-288-9116. BioAge. The age of advanced organics. The world's best solar-powered oven has gotten better. Sun Ovens are now available with a brand new Christmas Sun Dehydrating and Preparedness Kit, which includes everything required for cooking, water pasteurization, and dehydrating with the power of the sun. Prepared families are storing food for months and years, but only have enough fuel stored for days or weeks. A sun oven lets you harness the sun's power to bake, boil, or steam food, heat water for purification or personal hygiene, or dehydrate. For the past 25 years, sun ovens have been proudly made in the U.S., are durable, and have a long life, and come with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Don't be fooled by cheap imitations. For a limited time, preppers can save $65 on the purchase of a Christmas sun dehydrating and preparedness kit. For a discount coupon, visit sunoven.com slash GCN. That's sunoven.com slash GCN. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. We have Kim Bradford. The topic of discussion, netbooks. Basically crossed off the map, but they're still here. Who is succeeding now in terms of netbooks? Who's doing it? I think that... um, could be argued that ASUS is doing very well. I believe they said they expect to ship over 4 million netbooks this year. There aren't a lot of companies that are making netbook, like as many netbooks as they were making, say, a year or two years ago. Um, but there are still some, you know, some companies that are making them. Toshiba is still making them, Samsung. And I think that it, as far as uh, shipment, shipments and sales go, they're doing fairly well. I do know that netbook sales are down in general, and I think that that can be attributed to the fact that um, people who bought netbooks, say, in 2008, are not ready to buy a new netbook. Their netbooks are still working. They're still doing exactly what they bought them for. But maybe in another year or two, we might see a little bit of a pickup in netbook sales again as people's netbooks that they bought in 2008 or 2009 start to fail and they say, oh, well, I need a new netbook. They might switch to Ultrabooks by that point. But I think that you know the netbook slowdown that we're seeing right now is going to even off, I think. The companies that are doing it well are the companies who, who did it well to begin with, and that includes Asus, Toshiba, Samsung, even HP. 
So if they do it well, there's a market for it, but are they making a profit from a $300 notebook? That I don't know. Um, there's a very slim margin, but that, there's a very slim margin on all notebooks at this point, which is one of the reasons why, for instance, like, say the Best Buys and Staples of the world are always trying to add things on to your purchase of a notebook because those margins are so thin. I think just with netbooks, it is true that one of the reasons why the, the industry is going more towards, say, Ultrabooks or those ultra portables that are 11.6 inches like the MacBook Air. There are several of those that have come out from the same companies who did really well with netbooks, including Samsung, including HP, that I think have a, a little bit more extra profit margin on top of them. And it could be why the industry is sort of like trying to chug away from netbooks because, yeah, they're not probably not making a lot of money off of them. All right. So netbooks are still selling despite the conventional wisdom. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, I still see a lot of people using them out in the wild. Well, the question, of course, I guess is, in my case, I didn't think it was all that usable. I want a traditional notebook. Let's look at the Ultrabooks briefly here. Okay. So the progenitor is actually Apple's MacBook Air, and mm -hmm. Intel came up with a reference design. The MacBook Air, Apple's moving a lot of them at $999, but the competition from PC land, they have not been able to get much better than that price. No, they have not. I Partly it's just because, you know, you're talking about some very strict specifications with them being so thin. Uh, most Ultrabooks have uh, solid-state drives in them, and solid-state drives are still very expensive. Uh, I think only the Acer Aspire S3 has a traditional spinning hard drive in it, even though it is still very thin. Solid-state drives is, are actually what's in the uh, MacBook Air. They're much faster uh, than traditional hard drives. But yeah, they're just much more expensive. But there has been some news coming out of Asia basically saying that the components that are going into Ultrabooks are, are going to start getting less expensive um, now that there's more demand for them. So hopefully we're going to be seeing some come down in price in uh, early 2002 into 2003 on the actual components so that Ultrabooks themselves can come down in price. Isn't part of it also that Apple is very good about cornering the parts market? You know, yes. they say, here's $5 billion, give me your next year's production or whatever it takes. And right. suddenly yes. all the other companies are sit there wanting. Exactly. Uh, and, and that, you know, the supply chain problem has always been an issue. And, you know, just the, the fact is that Apple can sell what they make. People know that Apple can sell what they make, even when it's a new product like the iPad where, you know, the tablets before that were eh, whatever. And there were a couple of Android tablets that were a little bit worth caring about. But then the iPad came along and it was something new and exciting and they sold millions of them and everybody knew they would. The other question, of course, is about tablets is other than the iPad and maybe the Amazon Kindle Fire. Is that it for the market? Nobody else gets anywhere? No, I don't think so. Barnes & Noble claimed that their Nook Color tablet that they brought out last year, which was a, a mix of e-reader and tablet, was the best-selling tablet right behind the iPad. Now, Barnes & Noble does not re release their numbers, so it's hard to, to completely verify that. But that is what they said. And I actually believe it because the Nook Color does appeal to the same type of people who are, are looking at a tablet and they're not entirely sure what to do with the tablet and they don't necessarily have the $500 to spend on an iPad, but they want to get in on this, this whole tablet thing. They want the tablet functionality. And the Nook Color w 
was, you know, $249, which is a very reasonable price for a tablet at that time. It was very clear what you were supposed to do with it. You read books and you get a couple of apps and you read some nice color magazines and you have some nice color children's books. And so I think that the Nook tablet, which is the new version, is going to do very well. I don't know how it's going to do well against the Kindle Fire because the Kindle Fire is $50 uh, cheaper, but I think the Nook tablet is actually a superior product. Well, if you want to sell a product at a loss, that's what Amazon is doing. Do, yeah. Are people complaining about some of these Android OS bugs with the Kindle Fire? You know, I mean, you know, the it's not as fluid or snappy, say, as an iPad. I, I have heard a little bit of that. Um, it's probably attributed to the fact that it, there's only 512 megabytes of RAM. And I, recently, people have been saying, oh, specs aren't important, specs yes, are dead. Yes, but Apple doesn't <laughs> put any more RAM than that. That's what they have, 512 megabytes on the iPad. That's true. And, you know, also, there's a lot of um, play that goes on between software and hardware that is not necessarily visible to the end end user, the consumer, but it's very important when you're making tablets. Um, just tablets in general, if you don't have the software working in, in perfect harmony with the hardware, then it's going to be laggy and it's going to be slow and it's not going to take the best advantage of that hardware. There were a couple of uh, tablets that had the Tegra 2 processor in it, dual core processor that's in all the honeycomb tablets now. And there there was an early Tegra 2 tablet that was just terrible and slow and laggy and bad. And it wasn't the processor that was at fault. It was the software not working well with the processor. And I think that you know, the advantage that Apple has is that they are controlling software, hardware. They're making sure that the software is working in harmony with the hardware, and that is why the iPad is snappy. I don't know that Amazon put as much thought into, you know, making the software and ha- hardware harmony work that well in the Kindle Fire, which well, maybe basically they're using an older version of Android. And they're putting their custom user interface on it. Let's basically segue from that into the issue of holiday gifts because we have the remainder of this segment and the next one, and then we've got to split until next week. And now we're looking over what makes a good gift. And we think of the Kindle Fire as a good gift, the Nook as a good gift, maybe an iPad, maybe a netbook. So Mm -hmm. what are the hot gift items for this holiday season? Anything just really shining over what you expect? Uh, the Kindle Fire is definitely hot this season uh, for, for a lot of the reasons that we mentioned. The the low price and that it delivers not only ebooks but also uh, entertainment stuff. And it's the only uh, official tablet that works with Amazon's video on demand service. And so people are really liking that. Um, the Nook tablet is also really hot this season for a lot of the same reasons. And it plays uh, Netflix and Hulu Plus. People really like that, and they like their their ebooks and their e magazines. Um, uh, and the iPad is still hot, even though it is uh, an older product they introduced like way back in the spring of this year. People are still really into their iPads, and a lot of iPad um, accessories are really hot, you know, cases and stuff. One of the uh, gifts that I, I have been you know, getting a lot of requests for is uh, the iCade, which is uh, from ThinkGeek, and it is basically an old-looking arcade cabinet for the iPad so that you can play games like, you know, asteroids or centipede or tempest uh, with a joystick and buttons just like you were in an old arcade so you know ipad and accessories things like that those are what's really hot this season okay well the ipad supposedly is doing pretty well kindle fires all that stuff iphones are still backordered 
Did you know that? Isn't that interesting? Oh, yeah. Yeah. People are still trying to get their hands on that iPhone 4S. And um, it, probably because some people have been waiting until uh, they get you know that, that contract refresh rate so they can get it at $199 instead of having to pay the full price for it. The $600. Yeah. Kim Bradford from... Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Joining us on the Tech Night Out Live, she's with Gotta Be Mobile, a very interesting online publication. More about Christmas gifts on the Tech Night Out Live. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. Discover a natural way to experience cleaner, healthier indoor air without expensive filters and high-priced machines. Discover what healthcare professionals have known for decades. Salt ionizes and purifies indoor air. That's why you need to visit SilverSkyImports.com. SilverSkyImports.com offers a wide assortment of Himalayan crystal salt lamps, handcrafted from salt crystals that are millions of years old, contain healthy ions that eliminate odor, reduce bacteria, and can even help allergy and asthma sufferers, which means you and your family will breathe better, sleep sounder, and have more energy. These salt lamps are available in stunning, natural colors and shapes to accent any home or office, are environmentally friendly, and best of all, they're affordable. And don't forget SilverSkyImports.com also carries gourmet and bath salts. Order today at SilverSkyImports.com or call 800-494-1369. That's 800-494-1369. Breathe easier, feel better, live healthier at SilverSkyImports.com. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light Systems system today complete with two black berkey elements for only 231 dollars and the berkey guy will ship your order free of charge with the purchase of a berkey light the berkey guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only 39.99 that's over 30 percent off the retail price call the berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653 that's 1-877-886-3653 or order online at goberkey.com that's goberkey.com today What happened, man? You used to be energetic, happy, and wow, did the ladies love you. Now, you fall asleep on the couch, irritable, and out of shape. Don't be that guy. 
Call now for a risk-free trial of Ageless Male, a natural supplement shown to raise testosterone by 50% and maintain healthy, normal levels. No injections, no appointments. With healthy testosterone levels, you can feel that energy again, that great outlook again, and yes, even a healthy sex drive. Right now, you can try Ageless Male risk-free. There's nothing to lose, guys. If you're a man who's noticed changes in your body, your mood, your sex life, call now for a risk-free trial of Ageless Male. Be the guy you used to be. Just call 1-888-246-0623. Don't wait another day. Just call 1-888-246-0623. Again, 1-888-246-0623. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. Tim Bradford from Gotta Be Mobile at gottabemobile.com. Let me ask you just quickly before we talk later, is this strictly an online publication? Yes, it is. Okay. But then do people even buy magazines? I don't want to say anything about Avram Pilch <laughs> because I know that's a sister publication or brother publication and we want people to buy that magazine. But you're strictly online. Yes. People do still buy print magazines. Um, they still do well, but people are, do love their, their online content because it comes right to them, and, and people are voracious for information, so the Internet gives them that. Now, looking over the possibilities of Christmas gifts, are you finding here, other than the stuff we can predict and what we predicted in the last segment, stuff that doesn't seem to be moving? Hmm. Well, phones are a little bit difficult during the holidays, even though um, a lot of companies want to push them because everybody wants to be able to, to, to sell everything at the holidays. But I think phones are a little, they're a little bit harder to give as gifts. And that's why, you know, maybe we're not seeing as much movement on them during the holidays. But they're always, if you can, you know, get somebody to buy you a phone with your knowledge, then, you know, that works out. But I, I think that right now the, the market is actually doing really well. You know, there was like billions of dollars spent on, on Black Friday, which is when people generally start buying gifts for themselves and for others and Cyber Monday did really well. So I don't think that there, there are any particular products that were that we expected to seize a lot of movement on that we're not seeing movement on at this time. So what we predict is what's going on. Yeah. What about stuff you don't explore the more expensive stuff like TV sets and such? No, mostly we deal with stuff with that is just mobile. Although um, a lot of people at Gotta Be Mobile are really loving the Apple TV for Christmas. Um, and partly it's because now it's even more useful because you can uh, uh, wirelessly connect your iPad or your iPhone to Apple TV and then project whatever is on your iPad or iPhone onto the TV that it's connected to. So this includes like the entire operating system. If you want to play Angry Birds, you know, on your giant HGTV, you can do that. If you want to play Fruit Ninja, you can do that. You, if you have a movie or something that's just on your iPad or you want to quickly check YouTube for some funny video, you can do that from your iPad. It gets up on your HDTV. A lot of people at Gotta Be Mobile really loving that. Um, I personally love the Logitech review with Google TV right now because it's only $100 and it's getting the update to Honeycomb as we speak. It's rolling out this week. Yeah, but uh, it looks like Logitech is 
dumping that product. It's really sad, too, because I actually think that the Google TV is a very viable product, but I think that they, they started out too expensive. $399 was too expensive for what that product does. $99 is the right price for what that product does. You know, with this 99 all the political talk about 999 anything with a 99 <laughs> you have to think maybe yourself. So you think maybe Logitech was too premature in giving up that product? Either that or ju- they just they priced it too high to begin with. And quite honestly, like once it came down to the $99 price point, a lot more people were willing to, to sort of perk up and think, oh, what can I do with Google TV? But also Google TV was in its infancy when that came out as well. And I don't think that that helped. Uh, there are a lot of great things about Google TV, but, but it doesn't do anything that, say, the Roku box or the Boxy box doesn't do. And so then both of those devices were less expensive. Is that part of the problem that we run into here occasionally? The fact that some of these products are released when they're not fully baked. Because Google is notorious for beta testing everything. Yeah, definitely. And it can become a problem when you ask people to pay $400 for it to to beta test your product. And, you know, you sometimes see this in notebooks. You see this in phones. Um, There are a lot of products that come out that they're just not really ready for prime time. A lot of this happens a whole lot in tablets right now. Uh, just at the beginning of the Android tablet revolution, a lot of things were coming out that just shouldn't have been released. Uh, the HP touchpad, I think, is probably a, a more famous recent example that it just wasn't ready for prime time, but they asked people to pay a whole lot of money to, to beta test a, a thing. That's Google's philosophy, though, and I think Google has to learn that people don't want that, even with the original iPhone. Right. And There was no and- app store. A lot of features were not quite ready yet. You know, so Apple didn't produce them. However, Apple also realized that if you make the stuff that should work, work properly, it doesn't matter. Exactly. Very true. And there are a lot of times, you know, tech writers, and I am guilty of this as well, will will criticize Apple for not, for for sort of coming in behind other companies when they bring out stuff, uh, you know, with the iPhone 4S, a lot of the features on a lot of the things that's touted as, oh, isn't this great that this this phone has this feature now? We're already on Android phones before. But, you know, Apple did, like, take their time to ensure that all these things actually work and work well together before releasing it. And if that means that they are a little bit behind Google, well, well people, people are still going to appreciate the fact that it works. Well, that's the thing, too. Do the customers even care? You look at the usability studies, and the iPhone 4S is getting 96%, and nothing in Google Land gets that high because they're always, you know, 10% away from really getting it. Right, right. I think that with Google, as long as they weren't making people pay to, to sort of beta test these products, it wouldn't be as as frustrating. Although I do remember when Google Music first came out, I, I read a piece, and I think it was on Mashable, um, basically somebody just being very angry about how beta the Google Music beta was. But in my mind, I said, well, they did say it was beta, and it's free. And, you know, they, they did limit it to the number of people who could try it out so that they could work out these bugs. So I sort of felt it was a little bit disingenuous for someone to complain about how beta a product was when the product was clearly labeled beta and it was free. If they had asked them to pay $5 for it, then you can complain all you want. Right. But when you buy a tablet computer for five or $600 That's and a it's a beta, <laughs> yeah, then it's a problem. That's a big problem. Okay. Let's just, since it's near the end of the year. Got to be mobile publication. You guys starting to make predictions about what's going to be hot in 2012? 
Not quite yet, although um, I personally am very much looking forward to seeing what's going to happen with Ultrabooks. Like that's right now, that's my big thing because I think that Ultrabooks are are definitely the the new netbooks in terms of this is what people want. They want something that's like very portable, very light, still very powerful. And I am very excited by the prediction that by 2013 or 2014, Ultrabooks are going to be around netbook pricing, which is around, you know, $500, which would just be perfect because if you could get like a full size, like 13 inch laptop, that's really thin that you could carry everywhere and it only costs five hundred dollars. That would just be wonderful. It would be so cool. And then maybe by then netbooks will be one hundred dollars, like you know someone originally intended. Uh, so I think that those are gonna. That's gonna be really big. And just in terms of phones, even though like Google Android phones, there's just one just coming out like every minute it seems like, and and every new one that comes out like builds on something. So I think that we're gonna just reach the the time of the Uber phone once we get into 2012. Um, not sure what that Uber phone is going to look like, but it's gonna have a lot of a lot of fancy stuff just crammed into it. But is it overkill sometimes putting too much in there? Yes, it is. But I, we haven't reached a point where it's become overkill. But when we do reach it, somebody's going to say, that's too much. And everybody's going to agree with them. And then they're going to back off. And, and it'll be like the, the phone that came before it. That'll be like the phone that everyone wants. And one of the statements made by Philip Schiller of Apple, saying it's not just knowing what features to put in, but what features to remove. Very true. Because right now, I'm not really digging NFC, even though NFC is a really big deal for um, the, the upcoming uh, Google Nexus. And um, it was in the, the previous Nexus phone. But at this point, because there's there are very few places where people can use NFC, it sort of feels a little bit superfluous. Um, if, if people can't use it, if a lot of people can't use it in a lot of different places, if it's not meaningful to someone's life, then it's, why, why are you including it? This is where it has to be. Tell us a little bit about Gotta Be Mobile publication. Uh, well, Gotta Be Mobile is a collection of people who really love their technology, but they are constantly on the move. And so we cover stuff that ranges from, you know, phones and tablets, uh, do a little bit of notebook stuff, and uh, all the accessories and bags and stuff and cases that go with that. And basically, our lives are, are uber mobile. A lot of people's lives right now are uber mobile. So we're trying to serve that segment of the population who wants to know like what, what they can do with their technology while they're on the go, while they're out. All right. And I want to tell you, you can find more of our stuff at technightowl.com. That's technightowl.com. We're technightowl at Twitter. That's technightowl at Twitter. We have a second radio show about UFOs and things that go bump in the night. And Kim Bradford didn't know that. She might not have even come on the show if she knew. We do crazy <laughs> stuff, too. Oh, man, I'm, I love UFOs and stuff that goes bump in the night. Uh, yes, go to the Paracast at Paracast.com. That's Paracast.com on the Tech Night Out Live. Special thank you to Kim Bradford for joining us this week on the show. Thanks. The Tech Night Out Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bad time, same bad channel.